a Pulp MX Network production. With your support of our sponsors, we have reached over 800 podcasts and counting. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, support your moto addiction by buying from our sponsors. It's the Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. Presented by Fox Racing. The original moto podcast. Featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the uh, RacerX MotorcycleSuperstore.com podcast. Thanks for listening. The code PB-PULP16 saves you money at MotorcycleSuperstore.com. Of course, Jimmy Albertson has got the motorci- Motorcycle Superstore Suzuki team uh, killing it. And uh, they ch- they, uh, they're they everything you need for moto. Uh, over 700 trusted brands on that website. And uh, whatever drives you drives them to be the place for you to check out all things motorcycles with top brands and gear, accessories, tires, parts, and apparel. Again, PB-PULP16 is the code. Go there, save some money uh, when you shop at motorcycle-superstore.com. And uh, also Fox Racing, foxhead.com, the global innovation leader in motocross racewear. Taking it to a new level with Ryan Dungey, Kenny Rocks, and some of the other guys. 2017 Fox stuff out now. The guy on the line with me right now, he wore Fox for, for a long time. And uh, multi-time AMA Supercross and Motocross champion. Two hip, the bad boy, RJ, Rick Johnson. What's up, Rick? How are you? I'm doing good, Mathis. Just got home from Italy uh, late last yeah. night and then uh, woke up at 2 o'clock this morning and walked around <laughs> the house um, looking, for, <laughs> looking for a cappuccino yeah. and a croissant. Right, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm okay. I've been adjusting all right. I went to bed the first night at like 8 o'clock, and, uh, and I've been okay since then. I got back Monday. But um, uh, it's cool to have you on. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, I thought... And we'll talk about Team USA's race there, something, an event that is close to your heart and you, you, you won it a ton of times. So we'll talk about the race in a little bit. But more than anything, I thought it was really cool, Giuseppe and you stream on the 30-year anniversary of yourself and, and Osho and Bailey dominating the 86 MXDN at Majoria. They brought you back. And I just, good job for those guys. Good job, Ustream and Giuseppe and, and the track promoters uh, as well. I think they had a big hand in it to bring you guys over and to to look like, to me, they honored the shit out of you guys. <laughs> they they, oh, uh, no, they yeah, loved it. A, with, yeah. Without a doubt. And, you know, and that's that's the difference. You know, I mean, I'm an American, true blue, 100%. But, you know, what, American fans and, and a lot of the stuff around is, what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. You know, and then you, yeah. get, you, get, you get the, oh, you're not wearing the sponsor that runs our sponsor, and so we can't put you here and there and blah, blah, blah. You know, but the one thing about the Europeans and, and Italians mostly, because mm-hmm. Italians are—they either love you or they hate you. There's there's no gray area, and they loved us, and we're I'm grateful for that, and for Giuseppe and Ursula and the whole UStream crew and David uh, Luongo, um, they brought us over, they took care of us, they they you know they they showed us around Scott Sapkovic and and Paolo and. Stefano, you know, the people that own Majora, mm-hmm. uh, Scott Sapkovic helped line some of that stuff up. So it was just a, it was an awesome weekend. My daughter Cassidy was there, Steph was there, obviously the two Ginas, uh, Omera yep. and Bailey, and, and Osho had his kids there. So it was, 
it was great to be treated with respect from something that happened 30 years ago because it, it was a special time, you know, um, for us. For that was the first time they ran that format in the nations, mm-hmm. and it was a perfect storm for us, and we and flat out crushed them. Are you are you tired of talking about that race with people? Uh, I'm I tired mean, of talking about Anaheim where I got second. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point, right? Um, you know about about yeah. about. Um, Right about the last chance when I'm going to use the bathroom and I have some drunk guy <laughs> pouring Budweiser on me telling me how awesome Anaheim was in 86. Right, right. I remember it. And, um, but, but Majora, I, I love all of my donations wins mm-hmm. because it was a team race. And if you look at that, you know, as I said before, it was a perfect storm for, for us. You know, for one, I had three awesome teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Two teammates. awesome teammates. teammates, yeah. It was Johnny and David. I mean, I couldn't ask for anybody better. Johnny on a 125, you know, was ran 250 and 500 that year. But he was, he's small. He's built for it. And we had a fast 125. Mm-hmm. Couldn't be better. David Bailey just won the 500 National Championship. He and I went 1-2 went in the other series. And was so fast and so confident and just awesome. And then put the three of us together, and we worked together. Because mm-hmm. in the first moto, 125, 250, Johnny started on the front row because I said, I know I can pass everybody, right. and let's get you in a good position. And we came around. We were in second and third, you know, around the first turn. And right. then we were in first and second by by lap two, and then we just, I mean, we were gone. I mean, not not just, we were in like five seconds. We were friggin' 40 seconds ahead of everybody. Yep. And then in the, the, the next moto, you know, Johnny started in the back because they're like, there's no way he's going to be able to get a good jump on, on that. Oh, yeah. But then he just went to work. And then, you know. Uh, got by Thorpe and got into second was all awesome and then then in the last race I start on the front row I move I get a get a great jump move over to the you know into the guys open up the inside David mm-hmm. whole shots the 500 race I dice by the time I get into second David's gone I mean I have no chance of catching him he slows down last two, he slows down so much and I and I catch up to him that we have time to do cross ups and go side by side pass back and forth yep. and then then uh, then we cross the line together so to have an experience like that because you think about it who wants to see that kind of domination you know it's it, it, but. Everybody loved it well, because that, I think it was special. Yeah, that's the weird thing. Like the Euros got their asses kicked, and and the Italians and every, Italians got second, I think that yeah. weekend. Yeah, um, but they don't care. They they loved it, <laughs> and it's resonated well, with them thirty years later. You know. Well, but we're in the back of the truck sitting there mm-hmm. to do our little parade lap, and McKelly Rinaldi comes up, shakes Johnny's hand, shakes David's hand, shakes my hand, and says. We were just participants that day. We we weren't we we weren't racing. We just participated in the event. You guys were awesome, and 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 same with Dave. Dave, I hung out with Dave Thorpe and uh, his wife and mm-hmm. his friends, and and they they just treated us great about it. They weren't they weren't pricks. They weren't negative. They weren't bitter. They were just like, but but. Now, to, just to try to shorten this up really quick, is you got to look, it's a perfect storm. USR did switch to 30-minute motos, so mm-hmm. we were used to charging. And then we were also used to charging, you know, with Dogger and, and Brock and um, and Wardy and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You had to go wide open. So it was a 30-minute sprint, just like a Supercross event. So coming to that event was a 30-minute where the where the European guys were used to running 45 minutes where you pace yourself a yeah. little bit yep. and you have so much time. We were like, let's get this done. So we knew well, we were warmed up before the race. We were ready to go, ready, ready, ready to ram and jam. And also, that track is very similar to a Southern California practice track. It is. Huh? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. 
the cliffs, the long downhills, the jumps, the, the, the you know, sketchy dirt, all of it played right into our hands. So so you, you put all that together, you know, mm-hmm. it adds up to ass-kicking 101. Yeah, I watched the One Industries uh, video uh, that David narrated, um, yeah. And, and yeah, it... It, it you know the track back then they didn't have the same kind of uh, work and maintenance on it and it was hammered it was a little hammered for sure and so you're like Carlsbad you're like oh, I got this I, I got this right. dirt yeah um, all of us were comfortable sliding the front wheel which yeah. there's not a lot out there um, yeah it's a, it's an interesting thing I heard you I was in the A Star thing and thanks to those guys too by the way for the hospitality right I mean they just kill it at that race um, yeah yeah always awesome I heard you on the on the, on the TV show and um, Giuseppe Luongo a Ustream uh, owner of that. Doesn't do things that I necessarily agree with. I'm not a fan of some of the things he's done with the GP series and different rules. But look, um, um, whatever. That's just my opinion, and, and that's fine. Now, you and Giuseppe, though. I mean, you go back with, with Giuseppe to Masters of Motocross. By the way, Rollerball, third place, I believe, behind you and somebody else in, like, 87 at that race. I was very happy. Eric Kavors. Uh Okay, so Rollerball killed it that weekend. But you go back with Giuseppe, I mean, a long time. You know this guy. And I found it interesting on the show, like, you had nothing great. And, again, props to him and everybody for bringing you over there. Like I said, they, they golf claps for that. Um, but you have a special relationship with Giuseppe, don't you? Well, yeah, because we went through the the good time, the the very high times and the dark times too. You know, when when I met Giuseppe at, and I told him this, I do I do an interview for my podcast, RJ Unleashed, <laughs> which you're going to be on shortly. Yeah, yeah, is I do an interview with him and we talk about it. How so? He did, you know, he did the nations, and then he approached me at uh, Separati Fast Cross and said. I want you to come to Genoa. I'm going to do a Supercross. Mm-hmm. And so I had a really negative taste in my mouth, and I'm just like, I don't want to go. I'm tired. I'm doing Geneva. I'm doing Paris. I'm doing Japan, sometimes two Japans, a GP. I just want to go home. So <laughs> I, I, I did that. You know, instead of saying, no, I don't want to do it and sound like a dick, I just go, I threw it out there. I'm like, 10 grand. And he's like, okay. Done. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> now, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay. So then I go, and then he's like, okay, we want to do something for the show and this and that, and and so I'm like, okay, this guy's getting creative. He's kind of he's kind of mm-hmm. taking some of the bear sea side of it, doing this, doing that, and so he always knew that I would give a hundred percent, you know, because a lot of the European riders they just they they want their start money, and then. They start yep. and they don't race. And every race, I'm just I'm such an egotistical prick <laughs> that I want to win every heat race, right. everything. And so I'm gonna, you know, be stupid, try to kill myself to, for nothing, basically. And he appreciated that. And I did whatever he asked, man. I dressed I dressed up in a damn Batman outfit. I hid in a goddamn trailer. <laughs> I, you know, I, I did all kinds of stupid. Yeah, stuff. you're like and, whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the Masters of Motocross. I went I went to a studio with Eric Gabor's and. and Lip and did a song and lip synced a song and it's terrible. I mean, I suck at singing. Can, can I have a recording of this? Is this around? Oh no, God, please don't. I mean, it, and what was bad is when they recorded it. I'm like, that doesn't sound that bad. And then they cut the music out and then you hear how you actually sound. Right, right. And I was like, I was like, I was like a girl that just you know oh, found yeah. out. That, you know, I'm like, no, shut it off, shut it off. And, uh, but anyway, so we do that and all the different stuff and, and then. You know, I get hurt and go through some really dark times. Then Giuseppe um, has some issues and, you know, some money issues, this and that, has some jail time and blah, blah. And, and he is totally away from motocross mm-hmm. for a while. And then I don't know the whole story between him and Dorna and, yeah. and all that stuff. And then when, when I talked to him, he's like, was totally into supermoto. And, uh, 
So he was like, no, nah, I'm not going to get into moto, and now he's back. Because when I gave him that award, you know, with all the other riders and mm-hmm. stuff up there, is what I – and that – and this goes for, for everybody else that takes a chance because, you know, I owned a track with Sebastian Tortelli and lost my ass. I mean, lost my ass. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> way more money than I care to ever <laughs> talk about. Talk about, but, yeah. But the, the, the people that don't appreciate how much effort goes into and how much money goes into putting these things on so a guy can be a star. And so when I said that, you know, I, you know, I said, you got all these heroes up here, but we're missing somebody. And he's a, he's a dear friend of mine. Because he took the he takes the chance he puts the money up front, and then we get a chance to be a superstar and stuff like that. Is he making money? Yeah. So what? But he's the one bankrolling the front of it, mm-hmm. so he deserve he deserves it. Right. You know what I mean? And um, so so we've gone back and forth over the years, and he's always respected me. In fact, a, a quick story, and I know I'm bogarting the mic here, but um, I, I went to a race in Genoa, and I said, if I dominate every race, mm-hmm. I win every race for the weekend, both nights, you have to give me your watch. And he goes, every race? And I said, yeah, every race. And so then we talked back and forth, and he's like, but you got to make it a show. you know. And I'm like, okay, I'll make yeah, it a show. Right. You know? <laughs> so, so I'm out there the, in the final moto on Sunday. I'm leading. And here's the promoter of the race. <laughs> he's in the middle of the track with his watch off, like dangling it at me, like, <laughs> you better make it a show. And so then I go over and I tip over in one berm, and then I think the guy, whoever was behind me catches me a little right, bit. Right, right, right. And I started doing some cross-ups and stuff like that, and he gave me that watch. Oh, that's funny. And I had it for 20 years until I saw him, went to dinner, and I gave him the, like, the operator uh, coin, you know, oh. the, the military coin handshake. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I handed him his watch back, and he's like, <laughs> what? I'm like, I'm like, it's time for it to come home again. But, oh, that's funny. Um, so things like that. But uh, When you got there, um, yeah, I'm assuming you'd never been back, right, since uh, since 86? No, I went. To, I went there for Masters, but I yep. haven't been back since Masters. Okay, uh, what did you think of the place? Did it, did it instantly? Did you get nostalgic? Did you did you start thinking about things? Did did it? Did, does it look the same? Does it? Were you just like yeah, whatever? If, cry, if you asked me if I cried, yes. You did. Did I do the ugly bitch cry? No, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do the ugly cry. But you did cry. But- yeah, oh, absolutely. Okay. Wow. Because here's and here's why. So we we get there the first night. I mean, you're Rick like Johnson. Said, you're Rick Johnson. You won everywhere. I don't know. Well, yeah. Well, but that. But here's here's why. Okay. So, right. is Subkovic called? You know, calls and says, "Hey, man, they want to do a dinner with you." And David's. I got David here, and Johnny's on his way, and blah blah. So I I roll. I get up to that restaurant up up, up top, and I go out on the balcony, and here's Bailey looking over the edge. And mm-hmm. David's been David's had a shitty taste in his mouth with Moto between the TV stuff and mm-hmm. and just like I say, the way you're, you're treated in America is what have you done for me lately? Yep. He, I, you know, and it's hard because David, in my mind, is one of the best that will ever live. Yep. And that race, he he was the best by far. He was better than me. He's better than Johnny. He's better than all of us. Well, you, I mean, you could make a case that, um, before he got hurt. I mean, it was you or him as the best riders in the world. And right, well, I mean, Wardy know. was there. Not, yeah, not take nothing from him or, or or Osho or whatever. But but when the two of us clicked, it was it was a it was a fun thing and. He had the style I had. I was a banger, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and sometimes his shit worked, sometimes mine worked. But so I'm sitting there talking to him, and he's looking at this and that, and I could just I could hear it in his voice how it's touching him. And so for me, I saw I saw that here's a guy that I, I shared one of the most special days of my life with who has 
regretted the sport for for perfect mm-hmm. reasons is coming back you know and he, and he even said he said if i if i had a magic wand i would i would go ride for today you know <laughs> oh, and, really yeah yeah and david's all you know and david's been very much you know no nah, i understand my position with me being paralyzed and that but but he he would have just loved to take that lap on a bike you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah so to see him to see him re-embrace moto again and that day and and all the different stuff and his wife Gita, she's beautiful she's awesome you know they were there together and mm-hmm. you know, they were together through all all of the, all of the good times you know some of the good times and all the bad times right you know and uh so so yeah it did it, it touched my heart you know and then just then people care about you you're like really i just rode a motorcycle hard that's all <laughs> you know I- you know, it's funny. I, I go back to what you said about American fans. And, and again, I mean, I'm Canadian, so uh, it, it applies to Canadians, too. But I tell the story, and I've told it a few times on my different shows. Like, I watched McGrath walk through the Atlanta pits, I don't know, three years ago, four years ago. Um, before After practice, pits still pretty packed. Um, before the night show, I watched, and we were eating, and we talked to McGrath, and he left. And he walked down the pits, and nobody even really looked at him. He had a DC shirt on, and and I was like, man, that guy, like, like not like not that long ago, he couldn't even walk in the open door of his truck from front to the back, from the front of the truck to the back of the truck without people freaking out. It's a weird thing, and <laughs> and you know, I've been to Europe a ton, and I, yeah, I've seen these guys and, and the passion they have. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the deal is, but I tell that story a lot because it amazes me. They they, they do forget about you as soon as you're gone. I got one for you. Mm-hmm. So it's ninety three. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah, so I just retired. Right, uh, and I think that was the was that the first year that Jeremy won the yeah. two fifteen yep. outdoor. Yep. So I've been over in Jeremy's pit because you know I was the one that recommended him for Honda. Blah blah blah. Yep. And uh, so I'm sitting there, and this kid looks at me. He goes, goes, come here, come here, mm-hmm. come here. And so I take my sharpie out <laughs> and I walk up, and, and he hands me his hat, and he. <laughs> A little bastard. (laughs) (laughs) How do you know where this is going? He goes, excuse me, sir, could you get Jeremy to sign this? And I'm like, I was going to punch him out. I'm like, oh. I'm like, if you knew how hard you stabbed me in the heart right now. Yeah. Yeah. I just, and I I put my Sharpie back in my pocket. Like, I wasn't thinking, I wasn't, that wasn't that vain to think that I'm going to sign your post, your hat, bro. I'm like, sure, little man. What's your name? And I remember, yeah, and I remember, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying, so he's just trying to bypass the line because that's when they started doing lines and tickets and stuff like that. And dude, so like four years earlier, I was waiting in line for your autograph in Miami. And I mean, there were, Hundreds of people there. Hundreds of people wanted to get you to sign anything. You know what yeah. I mean? Four years earlier, um, yeah. you know, you were you were doing everything. Uh, and so, yeah, it's just it's just crazy how that works. But again, but the European fans, I mean, okay, so I went to a GP three, four years ago, and I saw Stefan Everett. He was working for KTM at the time. I mean, he literally couldn't walk through the pits. He was working for KTM. He had to duck between uh, uh, trucks. I was talking to him uh, a little bit. He's like, come here, come here. And we had to go inside the truck because he still stopped traffic everywhere he went. You know, And this was, okay, this was uh, whatever. Uh, four years ago, he'd been done for four or five years. And he was still yeah. a huge deal. And, and it's just, that's a European mentality. It really is. Well, and, and I think it, here's here's what here's my opinion of that is that 
Europeans appreciate, well, I'm going to call him a sportsman. Yeah. A guy, a guy that fights. A guy, that, in French, they have a word called panache. Um, it doesn't mean flashy. It doesn't mean mean. It means heart. It means integrity. It means balls. It means all of these things. And when a rider has panache, and that's, that's you fall down on the first turn, you don't get up and, and go back to the thing and get ready for the last chance. It's like you bust your ass and work your way up to 10th and, and qualify and things like that. They appreciate your effort, and they appreciate you taking the time to do cross-ups. And mm-hmm. you know, I would do my one-leggers and one-handers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was really, really rad back Dude, it was, day. though. It was. Come on, it was. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give myself an out on that. Just saying, the jumps weren't designed for tricks. <laughs> but um, but the, but they they remember that, and they, they and also just take the time, man. And it doesn't matter if the guy is, you know, in right. the president of Ferrari or just some just some kid, you know. And because I have I've I've met I call them acquaintances, but they're friends mm-hmm. that I met 30 years ago that still come back and go. I can't believe you remember me. I'm like. You and I went to the disco together, and we hung out for like two days. <laughs> right. Just because I'm, you know, I'm in the public eye doesn't make me a jack off in a short memory. I've hit my head a lot, <laughs> but I'm not that bad. They're like, I know, but I can't believe you remember me. I'm like, well, here I am. <laughs> um, who was the coolest person? Not the coolest person. Who was it? Who was it that you met that? was awesome um somebody from back in the day somebody you'd never met before somebody that you hung out with like what was sort of there's a couple people or a person that comes to mind well well it depends like as far as high ranking and stuff like that whatever yeah yeah whatever i I was able i met nelson pk and i was in the uh in the in his motorhome when nanini um left benetton and michael shoemaker Schumacher came in, and he's like this little kid. He's not a little kid. He was, he was a young guy. And so he just came from the, like, kind of a, you know, he's doing the Mercedes Enduro stuff, and then he was in, like, a lower level. And he came in, and he's like, oh, Rick Johnson, man, I love motocross, blah, blah. So he's like this nice kid, and I didn't even know who he was. Mm-hmm. And needless to say, he's, he's one of the biggest sportsmen in the world. Yeah. So that so that kind of stuff was very cool. But as far as just people, the Saperiti family, I mean, those people took me in in – and still to this day, they 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 wind us and died us, and we had a great time with them. And and they put on that 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 fast cross. If you ever want to look up something crazy, uh, Saperiti fast cross mm-hmm. in Italy, um, it just was awesome. Just the things that they did for the racers and stuff like that. And uh, but yeah, that was. And then also Roger DeCoster introduced me to Eddie Merckx, who oh, yeah, he bicycle, measured me yeah. and and signed my bicycle, and I still own my bicycle from 1987. Um, like well, it was kind of my fault, RJ. Those are all cool stories, but I meant more from the weekend. That was my fault, though. I didn't specify that. Oh, this week? Yeah, but that's my fault. Um, I didn't say that. But, like, was there, I don't know, somebody you hadn't seen forever, and, and you caught up with him, and you spent some time, and you're like, that's really cool. I forgot about that dude, or, or somebody you met for the first time, or? Yeah, well, I got, well, once again, the Saparitis, I got to yep. go spend time with them. They're like my Italian family. Yeah. And you ran yeah. that, hey, you, you ran that sticker all the time. Yeah. Did you, did you, did they pay you, or what was that deal all about? Well, they, they they hooked me up with some furniture, and every time I would go to Italy, I would stay at their house because they lived right by the Malpensa Airport. Okay. So any time that we would come in and go to Genoa or Torino or whatever, uh, Giorgio Jr. would drive us there, and then Paula was young, and he would translate for me in Italy, and um, I, it, they, were, they were my family. So um, it was, it was kind of cool to, to – <laughs> 
that's going to sound kind of stupid, but I got to go kind of reconnect with Jason Anderson a little bit. You know, I just mm-hmm. pulled him aside, and I just said, because I work with him when he yeah, was Yeah, that's right, just, right. I'm like, I'm like, just slow down. I go, don't be in a rush. I go, you, you, you got, you know, like the, in the movie The Goon, you got the shit, kid. You're mm-hmm. you it. You're it. And just be patient and and get to the first turn and then did the methodically go to work. And, and he did. And so, I was so proud of him. And, and not that my speech did anything for him, but he, he yeah. wrote an awesome race. Oh, he did. And, yeah. and, and, and that, but it was great to see, it was great to see him. And also Stefan Everts, which, you know, we don't talk a ton, but it was mm-hmm. great to see him. Heinz Keenegardner. Um, I love what he, you know, does for, for Wings for Life. And, did you just I, know him from racing or did you have, like, I, I don't know how, RJ and Heinz Kindergartner would, would, would pass. We raced against each other. At the end of his career yeah. was sort of the prime of my career. And, okay. and, and, and so he was there, I think, in, in 86. Mm-hmm. And also we raced against each other in 84. Um, so, so yeah, he's okay. he's an unbelievable businessman and went on to do a lot of great things and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was what that about? and Alex Puzar was cool, too. Oh, was Puzar there? Yeah, he rolled in. He rolled in late. Uh, did the victory lap. <laughs> He's an awesome guy. I guarantee. Puzar back in the day was was RJ. I mean, it really in Europe. He was the RJ of Europe. Um, oh, he he was he was he was he was shirt out, feet flying. <laughs> you know, he was he was the crazy Italian. Person. Um, did you see Bale? Did you talk to Bale? Are you and yes, Bale I good? Did. Or you got- yeah, me and, ba- me and Bale, that's the thing. People want to think that Bale and I had problems. I ba- I was always on Bale's side. You know, when we go when we go to Japan and Dude, stuff he like was that. Gunning, he was gunning for you back in the day. Yeah, so was everybody. <laughs> I so guess. Yeah, I know, I know, but still. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't care. I mean, fucking, you know, excuse me. I, everybody was, was out to take my legs out. Right. I would have been. I would, you know, like now, if I... Yeah. If I was racing against Dungey and Smith, Stewart and those guys, I'd be hitting them in practice. I'd mm-hmm. be, I'd be calling their girlfriends. I'd do whatever I could <laughs> to upset them. You know, uh, get them off their game. I, I thought it was great to, to, to see you there. MotorcycleSuperstore dot com RacerX podcast with uh, the great Rick Johnson. Um, two things before we wrap this thing up. Uh, number one. You know, Dungey hasn't gone to the Designations for a couple of years. Eli bowed out this year, and I'm kind of I, I I agree with Eli's decision to be honest. But we've seen guys kind of not take this race as serious as you guys did. And I know from talking to some of you guys, quote unquote, older dudes, this this doesn't sit well with you guys. Um, and I don't want you to blow anybody out or anything like that. It's not why I'm asking that, but it's a little it's a little sad nowadays. I mean, I get it. Times change, but at the same time, you know you you hated Wardy, you know in a, in a relative speaking in a, in a racing yeah. sense, and and you would go with him every year to this nation. So I don't know, it frustrate you a little bit. Yeah, it breaks my heart. But but you know what though, I, I gotta I gotta throw it back on the promoter too. You know, is let's do something more for the guys. You want you want to make those guys show up? Give out give out six or give out nine. Gold, silver, and bronze Rolex watches, yeah. or gold, silver, and bronze tag watches that that say that Something, yeah, uh, yeah. we're the winner. Yeah. Things like that. Get, you know what? Let let's let's create some money for them. You know what I mean? Because yeah, it, may, it might not be, but you know what? Then the guy can go blow the money on his wife or his mm-hmm. mom and dad or. Brother and sister, whatever, you know. Let's create something a little bit more, more enticing for the rider to to come, um, because they see it getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But 
they're like, oh, but I still make no money from it. You know what yep. I mean? And, and, yep. and, and they can't say that completely because I'm almost positive. There's a small purse. Positive. No, there is. There's a small purse. It's, it no, ain't, there's a small yeah. purse that doesn't mean anything, but yeah. I had a bonus from Honda. Oh, did you? I raced it. Oh, yeah. These guys don't have bonuses. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I lived off of bonuses. Maybe that's why. I'm, maybe that's why it's good because I'm just so damn cheap. I know, huh? You know? Um, but, nobody, nobody yeah. I've talked to has a, has an MXDN bonus at all in their deal. So um, uh, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. so. Well, that, that's why I had it in my, in my Honda contract. Yep. That if I finish first, second, or, or third to my teammate, that I get a bonus. But if there's another another manufacturer in front of me. They're like, why would we do that? I go, because you're going to advertise it. If yep, David yeah. beats me and I get second, you do a Honda one two. Yep, I deserve something. Sure, because I'm yeah. two. Right, you yeah. know. And so, so anyhow, I, I looked. I went after that. But do I understand? Yes, everybody wants to be the big fish in the in the big pond. You know, Supercross wants to dominate. Davey Coon wants to wants to control America. AMA doesn't want Giuseppe coming over here. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody every and everybody's right and everybody's wrong mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. In, in that's just the way it is. I, I I think I think the series are too long for for all mounts all. all Everything. I, mm-hmm. I think Supercross is too long. I think Nationals are a little bit too long. I think maybe GP's, you know. Mm-hmm. I want to see all the guys together. I wanted to go race, you know, when they said, oh, no one can beat Hawk and Carl Quist in the sand. Yep. Let's let's do this. <laughs> Bring it, right, right. Yeah, you know, and I don't care. And you know what, if he beats me, I'll be the first to congratulate him. But So, yeah, it breaks my heart that, that the driver, that the riders don't do it. But I also look at the, their livelihood on on their behalf, on Eli and, yep. and Dungey and those guys, is that they're paid their job, and they have a very short lifespan, is to win Supercross and Outdoor Nationals. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's what they get paid for. That's what's going to that's what's gonna make a difference in them, you know, uh, renting a house when they're old or yeah. or living in you know yeah. having the, the life of MC and so so power to them. Okay, and and nobody knows better how it can all end in a second um, than you. You know. Yep. Um, and and now Jason Anderson and thank God he's not hurt. Oh, dude, right. So before we wrap this up with Rick Johnson, look the the the. Cooper Webb, USA had it, two-point lead. Uh, Cooper Webb crashed with a lap and a half to go. And, and sure, uh, you know, it cost USA the win. But to me, in my in my podcast and in my writings about the race, I think it's more amazing that they almost pulled it off without a down a rider. Um, it was almost an incredible story after a disastrous Saturday. Um, and to me, that's the story instead of, hey, Cooper Webb blew it. Um, wow, they almost did it. That's the story to me. Do you agree? I can't agree with you more. And on the flight home, I mean, there's a parallel to it, is I, I watched the whole thing from Rocky to Creed. You know, the oh, whole yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. And the deal, with, the deal with Rocky was not to become a superstar. The deal was to survive and, and to last. His yes. whole thing in the Rocky one was it, no one's ever, you know, made – 15 rounds with this guy, right. or whatever, 12 rounds, whatever it was. If I could do that, then I won't be just another bum from the streets. And and it pissed me off. I mean, I was, I would like, I'd F-bomb the heck out of people when they're going, <laughs> America sent their B-team. I'm like, F you, B-team. I yep. go, you don't know who these kids are. These kids are studs. They're badass. I go, just because they didn't win the championships and all of their stuff, I said, you watch. And it was bitching, as I told him, I said, I said and everyone's counting out. Jason Anderson because he's new. I said, you watch. He's going to shock the world. Mm-hmm. What does he do? He goes out there in in hurlings right now is the fastest rider in the GP circuit, mm-hmm. and he got his ass kicked by Jason Anderson. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fall or not, yeah. he, he took three yeah. attempts at him and couldn't get the job done. Right. You know. So I agree. I, I you know it's. It, 
Yes, I wanted to see him win. Oh, so man, when, when Cooper went down. But you know what, though, Cooper, if you if you listen to this, keep your friggin' head up, bro. You're new on a on a four fifty. Slow that. Have him take a little horsepower away from that thing. I mean, <laughs> make it a little more rideable, so it's not such a, a rocket ship. And and you're going to get faster and faster. This is just the beginning, but you did it. You you, I mean. Uh, Fabre was kept trying, same thing, kept coming after yep. him, kept coming after him, couldn't make it happen. So, so you did everything, but unfortunately, the outcome doesn't tell the story. And like you said, disastrous Saturday. Mm-hmm. Jason breaks his foot. Cooper falls twice. They all Alex, they crash five times. Alex, yeah, yeah. Alex five. falls yeah. twice. Yeah. You know all the stuff. They, they have terrible gate pick. Roger picks a thirty. Yeah, I mean, so it's like it was stacked against them. Mm-hmm. But they came back just like Rocky and kept coming back, kept coming back and even at the end like i said i saw jay i i bawled my eyes out when i saw jason get hit yeah you know and then, and then i'm like cooper's got to do it and then cooper's doing it and then so what he falls down i've fallen down and thrown shit away so many times <laughs> it, you know right but and i think the world looks at him the same way looks looks at the whole team america everybody roger you know all the engineers it was great because you had you had husqvarna and you had two yamahas it was it just was awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. it, I, I, I say you couldn't ask for a better finish, but of course you could if they would have won. Yeah. But, but you know what, though? And then to France, if Aubrey, after after he goes down, he fights his way back, passes the guy from the Netherlands with half a lap to go. So you know what? It, it was great for the sport. And uh, But I just want Cooper Webb to, to hold his head high because, I mean, they – they made my dream come true. You know what I mean? They they kept the dream alive, and they they made us look good, and they made made us proud. So, dude, do not do not shrug your your shoulders when it comes to this. Um, eighty six destinations. Uh, you won in Unadilla. You won uh, in eighty four. You won in France in eighty eight. Uh, eighty four is Finland, I think, one week, and then Germany maybe the other one. Um, is eighty six Sweden was as it was eighty six the most special destinations for you or did Unadilla maybe top it? Uh, well, two things. Yeah, I'm going to say that that eighty six was better because I had my teammates. You know, it was just a continuation of what we had all year long, right. and then we were able to share lines and do stuff. Um, Unadilla was awesome, but it was weird because Bob Hanna was such a prick. Like he, he wouldn't pit by us. He wouldn't go to the same practice. He didn't practice with, with you guys, he, right? Yeah. He just he was he's like, oh, I, you know, I was upset because he's going to ride a 125. I'm like, listen, jackass, I'm 185 pounds and I won both championships, and yeah. you're you're 150 pounds, and Suzuki doesn't make a 500. So guess what? Yeah. You're the 125 guy. Yeah. You know and. And then, then he then he wins, and yeah. then we go to the White House, and it, I mean that was all unbelievably special because Jeff Ward was my hero in many cycle action, mm-hmm. and I'm racing with him. Bob Hanna was this, you know, the the Red Baron, mm-hmm. you know, that took out my my best friend Brock Glover all the time. Yeah, and so so I I got to go work with two of my heroes and win the race, and and with a much more dramatic style. But I kind of like the idea of going out there with it every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, Hannah, <laughs> and, and knowing that the worst thing we could do is not sweep the race. And it was such a mutter at Unadilla, and, and you were like, maybe I can't do like I don't like. I mean, obviously you guys did well, but you had to be stressed. Like, look, if it was dry, we'd be smoking you guys. But I don't know. It's muddy. We could lose, right? I mean, this is all in your mind. So, um, what's weird being from California? I won almost every mud race I was in. 
Yeah. I, I, I dig the mud because you have to be strong and you have to you have to make the mud your bitch. You yeah. can't hesitate. You can't you can't do that. And and so I just kept her hammered, kept mm-hmm. it hammered, and and it worked out. So the mud didn't. So I guess it the unknown. Like what if I get stuck off in right, a right, hole? Right, right, right. Bike, there was bikes up to the handlebars. Yeah, all yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly right. Well, hey, uh, Rick Johnson, uh, I'm going to talk to David, and uh, he's in Greece. So we're going to try to connect, and then Osho is also supposed to talk to me. And uh, I'd love to get yeah all you guys take on the weekend. Like I said, good job by everyone to get you guys over there. I thought that was awesome. I thought the fan response was awesome. I saw you guys in the pits taking photos and signing everything. Again, the fans seemed to appreciate you guys being there, which I thought was cool because, again, I grew up with you guys. Um, and uh, so it was awesome, man. It was really cool to see. And I hope you had a great experience. It sounds like you did. Um, and, uh, I mean, obviously it could have been better if USA had won. But other than that, I think it was a perfect weekend for you guys. So thanks, man. No, always a pleasure. And uh, keep up the good work. I, I dig what you're doing. As I told you, I'm, I'm coming out. I want to call it Who Needs Another Effing Podcast. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, as we talked about before the show, I got some I got some angles and stuff like that. It's not yeah. going to be an all-moto show. And, and keep doing what you're doing, man. I, I love I love your show, bro. Yeah, thanks. If you if you yeah, and you come on and promote your show, and I'll come on your show. It's awesome. Uh, whatever I can do to help out, it's it, it would I'd love to. So uh, thanks for your time on, on, on all the time you've given me over the years and. I love it. So, um, yeah, great to see you this weekend, and uh, we'll talk soon, RJ. Thanks, man. Thanks, brother. See you. Welcome, everybody, to the MotorcycleSuperstore.com Racer X podcast. You heard from RJ. Now it's time for number two of the USA MXDN Dream Team. Remember, MotorcycleSuperstore.com, PB-Pulp16. This thing also brought to you by Fox Racing, Foxhead.com, and the global innovation leader in motocross racewear. And, um, yeah, we thank Superstore and we thank Fox. And uh, so part two of the return to Majoria uh, with 1986 uh, MXDN Dream Team member Johnny O'Mara. What's up, Osho? How are you? I'm all good, Steve. Yeah, thanks for including me. It was uh, <clears throat> quite a weekend to get reunited with my uh, teammates. Um, like you said, you already talked. Yeah, you're you're not like I don't know you that well, but I know you fair enough. And you're not a guy that's like, hey, look what I did, look what I done. I, I'm I'm so good, and I did all this. You know, I was this fast, and blah blah blah. You're not one of those guys. It's uh, you're very understated for your accomplishments in the sport, and of course, you work with some of the guys nowadays and everything else. So for you, my first question for you, and I kind of thought this, and I think I mentioned it to you when we talked at the race. Were you a little bit uncomfortable, Johnny O, with with the uh, the hoopla and the uh, fanfare about you guys being there? Well, I think, <clears throat> yeah, excuse me on that, uh, but yeah, I think my whole life I've been a little bit uncomfortable with the popularity or you know the status that we achieved by winning races and championships and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I've always been a little bit uncomfortable there, but I'd learned over the years that that's my arena. So in all reality, when I do get in those situations like this weekend, I actually am pretty comfortable. Like, it's mm-hmm. like I'm actually a little bit more uncomfortable just in real life, you know, like just as a, like a away from what I used to do. So um, if, if that makes any sense to you. So I yeah. actually um, was uh, really comfortable, and I think, you know, that had to do with, you know, hey, I had my family with me, my wife and my two kids, and I really wanted to have them see the whole experience too because mm-hmm. 
they didn't they didn't exist when I when I was there 30 years ago. So right. um, I was I was good, you know. Like uh, and and as soon as I get got there, it's so magical to me, and it has it, there's something very special about Majora, and will always be a huge part of my of my life and memories of, of yeah. racing a motorcycle. So um, it was spectacular. I uh, I'm still speechless in the amount of uh, support and the passion and how the Italian fans uh, welcome us and greet us. and mm-hmm. You know, it's more than just Italians because people from all over the world are there. So, uh, like I said, I'm just, I was floored by uh, the feeling I got. And, I mean, you know, literally almost uh, tears at times, you know, because you can see right, how right. much the people really looked up to uh you know, even you know all the rate, even most of all those current racers. You know, none of them were alive. You know, they were. No. Uh, they they just know the history, and which is really cool because I think that I what I always try to do, even if I am like, uh, you know, like, in speaking uh, in behalf of maybe working with a rider these days or whatever. I go, you really got to be educated on the history of the sport. I really think that would go in in any type of uh, sport we're in, like it. You, you benefit more by just knowing the history, and yeah. and uh, definitely you can see, you know, a lot of people, you know, especially when I went there this past weekend in Italy, uh, they've done their homework. They and that's <laughs> like they they yeah, just yeah. know, and uh, and that's like it almost feels like our legacy from that race is almost like it continues to grow. It's pretty amazing. Like, it, that's the feeling I get. Like, it's like we're almost more popular 30 years. From, you know, <laughs> you would think they would just be right. forgotten almost, but, well, um, yeah. So I mean, I kind of, my overview, that's how I looked at it. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, you were on the 81 team, and that, to me, talking to Dave Arnold, talking to you, talking to guys that were there, I mean, you guys beat the Europeans in the sand, which never happened. USA had never won a Disney Nations before. If you're looking at Johnny O'Mara's MXDN career, to me, it starts at 81. But yet this team in 86 with you and David and Ricky that just whooped up on everybody. I mean, let's face it. There was no, nobody, you know, had a, had a chance. Um, and, you you know, you beat 500s on the 125 on a hilly track, which, again, me being there, I already knew it was gnarly, but me being there at the track, I just couldn't believe it even more. But yeah, like you're like, hey, hey guys, what about 1981? That was gnarly, but this '86 team is just captured imaginations. Yeah, I would agree. I, I, you know, I did think about that a little bit too. You know, because I had already had a fair amount of wins. You know, with the motocross nations uh, mm-hmm. prior to the '86 team, and yeah, the '81 team that started the the win streak for so many years uh you know we went there just all of us were so young and like i don't even think we even realized i i'm kind of speaking for myself like there was i had never even been to europe so mm-hmm. like i was just there just doing my thing cocky kid and um you know definitely i wasn't lacking in confidence or anything like that i I had heard those names, you know, that I was racing yeah. against, like you, like you said, in the sand at Lomo, which um, is unbelievable place, like Major almost, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it started, it started there, and then as we, uh, you know, we we were pretty dominant. Sure, there were some clo- uh, closer ones where 
one or two points here and there on, but we did continue that streak all the way to, uh, you know, through the 86 when, the, right. when they want to, they want to call it the dream team. I'm almost a little bit uncomfortable with it, but <laughs> I guess it is kind of, I would, I would say it's, it's yeah. that's a really good analysis of what it was. Cause that, even as I watch it this week, you know, and where we were so close to winning that thing again, like you just really realize how hard it is to win the motocross nations first and foremost. Um, but then on that occasion in 1986 with David and Ricky and myself being in the basically distilling all a Honda team and we were just all three peaked at the mm-hmm. 100% as far as our, our talent level, our, you know, our, our goals, everything was, everybody was healthy and, um, man, it just, like, I still think records are always to be broken and i hope that someone can beat that someday and and do that as as i support the united states at at any motocross the nations and i hope to see it done again but it will be very difficult no doubt because you have to be so perfect and i had a couple interviews over there and i and i even mentioned that while everybody talks so highly about it and i i almost i said to this one particular interview guy that I was doing, I go, it actually felt easy because we just, uh, and that's kind of hard to describe to people, but like everything we did was like real so easy. We didn't make one mistake all weekend, you know, even on the day before this and that, I mean, everything other than that, I just got beat up on a 125 <laughs> by the 500, so, uh, you know, with the rocks and the, yeah. I mean, it looked like I'd been to a war, um, but it still was easy. Like, like I don't know why, how if people yeah. can understand that or not. We were just on, we were just unbeatable that day, and we and we showed the world uh, why. Because basically, we were one, two, three in the U.S. too. Yeah, all yeah, all year, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you saw the Honda podium. It was one of us three, one, two, three, so many times, whether Supercross or outdoor. Mm-hmm. It. it it really lined up that year. And then, you know, everyone knows what happened after that. I left Honda, David, David's injury. And, you know, Ricky had another, had another couple of years, but is in with his injury to his wrist. So it, uh, it is what it is. It was beautiful to hang out with those guys. And, um, it felt really natural and I had a great time. I know my family did too. So it was, uh, the only thing that, we left there probably just a little disappointed is that we were so close to getting the USA boys to, uh, to win that. And, uh, yeah. and it just kind of slipped out a lot of, like, as you know, a lot of strange things. Oh, and, it was, and, it was uh, a wacky race. It really was. Um, Hey, yeah, it really was. what did, uh, what did your wife and your kids, you got a daughter and a son. Uh, you said like, again, these people weren't around when you won. And I saw the fans talking to you guys and looking at you and signing autographs and posing for photos. And they honored you before Sunday. And, and you were, you know, basically fed it. And, and by the way, props to, to Giuseppe, Ustream, the, the track promoters, everybody for making this happen. A great job by them, as, a, as I said in the RJ one. But um, what did your family think of this? I mean, they know, you know, you have the plaques, you have the, 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 the you know, the legacy, the magazine covers and all that. But were they maybe a little surprised at these European fans and how much they adored you guys? 
Yes, they they were. To be honest, uh, you know, sure, I've been with my wife, Gina, for 25-plus years now, and um, she knows all about my my career, obviously. She's yeah. been around. Um, she knows the impact that I've had on the sport and, you know, working with some of the best guys in the business from mm-hmm. RC and all the stuff like that. So she's very aware of, like, the sport. So, right. But, yeah, she was really – you know, she's an Italian too. So oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, she has the heritage in her. So uh, she was blown away, uh-huh. no doubt about it. Like she was just floored on the uh, on the whole thing, speechless, just like I was. Uh, my daughter, which is twelve, Shelby, um, she just got a kick out of it. Like, I, <laughs> she's like my dad. What? <laughs> yeah, like uh, it's really funny. She's kind of more the Johnny O in the family. Like uh-huh. my son is kind of not the sportsman, you know, like uh-huh. he's, he's going to be something else. But my daughter is like the, has a lot of my little uh, DNA, let's mm-hmm. put it that way, kind of like that. And she just got a K. I mean, she, I never even knew she was like videoing everything. Okay, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like this guy was almost like crying after he, he signed his backpack or something like right, that. So right. like she really, um, really got a kick out of it. My little guy, JJ, um, which is nine, he, this is the funniest thing. Like I, uh, I'll remember this more of the trip than almost anything Okay, is that he's kind of like one of those like free spirit type guys or, you know, like a person Uh and he could almost care less. It was just so (laughs) hilarious. Like, uh, one time, you know, we did basically kind of hang out mostly over at Ustream and over there. And then, then they had time section, uh, segments where we'd have to go do stuff, VIP right. or interviews or TV or whatever it may have been. So at one point, my wife, Tina, just goes, hey, let's go over to this over here. It's, you know, 50 yards. Yeah. It's not very far, but I'm like, man, you know, okay, we'll do it. And then, and whenever we left, like, you know, 50 yards may take, that may be two minute walk. It mm-hmm. would be like 30 minutes. Like, right. Literally, that's, that's the way it kind of was. And amazing and my son said to me which was just hilarious and like i said i'll always remember it he's like dad can you put your head down <laughs> like disguise me you know like i'm <laughs> yeah, like yeah. i'm uh, your president you know, or whatever like, yeah 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 like i'm mick jagger or somebody you know like <laughs> it was just like i for some reason i just got such a kick out of that because he could care less i'm just dad in his yeah, eyes and he's yeah. like, Man, you guys, you guys are just all bugging me, bugging my fans. Like it was just hilarious, and uh, but that's just the difference between both my kids. Uh, love them to death, and uh, yeah. they just—it was cute to see them there, just participating with me. I think they got a great understanding what what Dad did a long time ago because they've been around too, and they know they know some of the motocross guys too, Dungey, Ricky, all the guys. Yep. They're all friends of mine, so. And they always they always know that I will used to be pretty good. <laughs> this uh, kind of put the exclamation point on it. But uh, yeah, Daddy did something right early on in his career. This is so something uh, uh, is something we talked about with RJ. Like, isn't it? And look, I mean, I'm Canadian, but I've almost I've lived in the U.S. almost longer than I lived in Canada at this point. And uh, and so I think, but I think this applies to to to, to Canada too. In North America, like. Like, they don't revere you guys as much over here. Like, it's almost like, hey, Eli Tomac, Ryan Dungey, that's who we care about. And RJ and, and, and McGrath, even McGrath, that's old news. But you go to Europe, man, 
And and like you said, those guys don't forget. They have a reverence for you guys, and, and I'm sure for MC and everybody else, that's different in the U.S. And whether it, motocross is a bigger sport over there, uh, sportsmen are – RJ thought it was more of a sportsman thing where they have maybe a little bit more respect for sportsmen, but it's a different vibe when you go there. Those guys are just – they really, really uh, appreciate the motocross history. I, I don't want to say it's better or more than America, but it's better and it's more than America. You know? Do you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I've and I've known that from day one. Mm-hmm. My first time ever being in Europe. Uh, it, it, I'm going to agree with Ricky on this one. It's something to do with like just how they look at the sportsmen. Doesn't matter. What it could be, it could be auto racing, soccer, whatever. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bicycles. You know, in the United States, in the United States, you know, like, you know, we pretty much can live a normal life after we're done as a as a champion or whatever. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure enough, someone might notice you if they know motocross. But some some reason over in Europe, like they all like their knowledge for the sportsmen is is unbelievable. Like, I still believe, you know, the that grand stage has never been so big for me. Um, than racing in Europe, and that mainly would just target like motocross nations, yeah. or I've done a few GPs and stuff like that, and won those also. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that stage is so huge over there, um, and you know what comes with being on the big brand stage like that is a little bit more pressure and everything too, where it is in the United States also. But over there, it's big, you know, and I think any time the USA goes over there to race, even if it's the current guys now, generation last, and everyone feels that at some capacity it's it's a different feel. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's another element that makes it so difficult to win also. Yeah. Um, when you got there, Johnny, and I assume you hadn't been back since 86, right? I actually was there two years ago. Oh, they, that's right. They, yeah. They, yeah. So, yeah, it. it was really nice for them <laughs> to, uh, I know, like, I, I hopefully I didn't spoil that. For <laughs> yeah, you spoiled my question, but I remember that. Yeah, you went there two years ago. But can you, okay, let me flip this on you. Um, looking at the track, driving around in the back of the truck with you, Rick, Rick and David, um, can you remember, can you picture the race and riding it? I mean, can you, do you remember corners? Do you remember sections? I mean, it wasn't that, it, it's pretty much the same um, from back in the day. Did, did you get any of that? Did you get some racing feelings about that kind of stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to go on the side of saying it, it, it was considerably different a little bit in some areas. So mm-hmm. like they took out a fair amount. I think there was probably like me and Bailey were talking about, it. I think there's 20 to 30 seconds, uh, shorter on lap times uh they took out which we i believe in and david and i don't know if so much i talked with ricky on it also but mm-hmm. um i think he would agree with it there's some a little bit more of some technical parts on it um it's a little but everything else is still has that same feel mm-hmm. no doubts but there was some technical stuff that's out of there which you know obviously i think all of us back then really loved especially me on the 125 right the disadvantage horsepower i had i had you know i don't know if i want to say i had three or four places on the track where i knew that i was going to be able to i'd make runs okay this is where i'm going to pass i just didn't wait unless someone just made a mistake yeah. especially when i'm trying to pass the big bikes mm-hmm. i'm not going to pass on the uphill um so 
you know, like, uh, but I do like what's really kind of interesting. And I thought about it a lot mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, like they call it the elevator, that big downhill yeah. jump right there. Yep. Those three, those from like, like that corner at the bottom, the next corner where, you know, Coop fell over and that mm-hmm. thing. And then, and then the next right hand turn, those are such key yeah. um, parts of that track. And I remember to the T, and, and it's unfortunate that bit Cooper there in that inside rut. Right. But I remember, I remember that that thing is so vertical. If you walked up there and tried to, uh, oh, it's nuts. Uh, yeah. Even, yeah. So like you know, if you ever had a pitcher there, if they could get a camera guy, but they don't get a camera guy up there. Like, I'm, what I'm getting at is I didn't like, I don't like that inside rut that Coop took. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so it's so dangerous, but somehow he felt comfortable with it. Right. If you saw if you saw anyone, even could I even, I remembered it personally. I always went up high, like Hurlings did. Yeah, yeah. Debray. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like, you know, and it's nothing like negative towards anybody. No, no, yeah. Like, yeah. And then what you do, like, if you probably watch the race, that you come shooting down the inside after that, where, um, and that inside turn was so key. Like, yep. I watched Hurlings in there. He was the fastest guy by far there. Um, and then February, February, February and uh, Jason were definitely fast. But most yep. of the guys that, like, kind of picked that course apart went high, went down the inside. That, so what I'm kind of getting at too is when I passed Dave Thorpe, everyone wants to make such a big thing about mm-hmm. that. But I went up hot there because that was my line, just like those guys were doing. And then I took the inside rut, obviously on the 125. It's a right hand turn. It's perfect for me because I could almost shift yeah. in that rut sure. uh, with my left foot. And so yeah, I actually did pass Thorpe on that uphill right there after that because I had so much more speed. But that was the sum that kind of came to my mind yeah. is that. That inside thing just was was ugly even back in our day, and then it and it and it got cooped, you know. And I was just like, wow, you know, like <laughs> it was the same as it was back right. thirty years ago. Like it, it was. I'm like, man, I would have never took that line, but you know, that's just me just throwing that at you because I like those are the things that came to my yeah, mind. Yeah, that's, that's great. Lot, right? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of similarities in in and how we picked apart the track, <laughs> and then watching some of the guys do the thing. But there was some spots where they pulled out where it was just like it was way harder to pass, uh, in my opinion. Like for the two fifties out there, like you know, Jeremy yeah. rode good. Dan Hordenbrack, I thought he rode really yeah. good on the small bike. He Alex did. did about as best he could. I thought he rode great. Um, it was just difficult to pass. Like I said, you had to kind of really plan yourself, and that was just like what I had to do on the one two five. Yeah, that disadvantage stuff. So, right. Uh, um, who but, who was the who was the neatest person that you met, or you re, you met again for the first time in a long time, or somebody you had a really good conversation with, or or was it was it great to see someone or one or two people in particular that come to mind that that you just you don't talk to anymore and you don't see for one for whatever reason. Oh, man, there were so many on that one. Uh, <laughs> that's a tough one. But, but, you know, the first one that comes to my mind is, like, Dave Thorpe and I are so close where everybody's made. Well, okay, made I was going to, yeah. Drive, I have Thorpe, cir- yeah, I have a Thorpe circled on my on my pad because I wanted to ask you if you met him, talked to him, and all that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just that alone. I mean, you know, what people have to remember is that we were also teammates when, you know, we were in, in our Honda days. Right. You know, we, we, we all rode for, even though, because, you know, HRC, 
even though I was out of American Honda, we still raced for HRC in Japan. And in all the testing we would do in the off season, we were always with Dave Thorpe. You know, he was a big part of the team worldwide. So, you know, I didn't just go there, like, never knowing that guy. Like, that guy was also, right. he was my teammate. Uh, it just happened that we happened to clash that year and, and, and have that thing kind of blow apart mm-hmm. on him being the world champion. I passed him on the 125. I've said it numerous times in, in how many years since then. I never, it was never my intention to make him look bad. It just, it was like, we, like I told you earlier, yeah. we were just on the team that just happened to be invincible. And we were, all three of us were doing like performances that they talk about today. It was just unbelievable how we rode. Uh, but yeah, great to see Dave Thorpe. I feel like he's like a brother of mine. It's almost, we're that close. I didn't know that. I I mean, I knew you guys were obviously hung out in Japan or when they came over to Carlsbad or whatever, or Unadilla or or whatever. But, um, I didn't know you were that close with them. That's interesting. Yeah. The the American media and more, 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 more MXA than anybody else. I mean, they kind of shamed him a little bit, but you know, in 1985, Osho, when you weren't on the team, Omera straight up won a moto. I mean, Thorpe, sorry, Thorpe straight up won a moto, um, beating everybody, you know? Oh, he's a beast. I mean, right, he, right. You know, that's why he's world champion. I mean, he's just unbelievable what the guy's, uh, you know, he's a legend in our sport, too. So uh, I have the utmost respect for him, the bottom line. And, yeah, it was great to see him. I mean, I got to talk with Hurlings and Fabray and all these guys. I mean, they all look at you can tell they look at us and, it's really genuine. They really look yeah. up. They look up to us, you know. And I'm, and I actually I look up to them too because I am a fan of the sport and been around. I can appreciate uh, good riding, technical skills, and the devotion it takes with the training and to be a world champion, to be a supercross champion, to be a champion in general. Mm-hmm. So I have the utmost respect for everyone in the world on a motorcycle and in, in, in that fact, in any sport, because I know what it takes that the sacrifice and, you know, you know, the commitment it takes. Right. So it's really cool. You know, saying hello to Corolla, you know, I was standing next to Tony and all that. Like it's, it's, it's really meaningful. Um, to us that uh, that we can do that and that they look at us almost the same way I believe you know like with a lot of lot of respect towards us too yep and it was great to see David out there uh, you know RJ made a mention of this when we spoke um, you know David has come and gone in the industry a little bit obviously look uh, he's had that injury he's been you know maybe a, a, a you know maybe people forgot about how great he was um, like he's come and gone in the industry. He's he's embraced it a little bit. He's done some TV. He's gone out. He's not fully into it like you and maybe Rick are. But it was great to see him out and and accepting of this. And I'm sure he got as much love as as, as both of you guys. And it's really good to see him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and then, you know, and everyone just has to realize it's not like you know he's like abandoned the sport. It's just a lot difficult for for David to to be around. We mm-hmm. all know that. It, right in front of our face and in uh david's david's a really sincere person mm-hmm. there's a lot of times and you know i don't know if anyone's ever said this to people like but i'm pretty comfortable to, to even say it to you david there's a part of david when he when he shows up that he doesn't want to like like scare people too like like the sport's pretty brutal and mm-hmm. you know it put him in a wheelchair like there's a part of him that that's one of the even reasons why he's not so comfortable at the races, he never wants to like 
scare somebody, you know, like right, that. Right, like, yep. uh, everybody looks, and I even did. I still to this day, I mean, I I can't believe that happened to David. I mean, my best friend, my teammate, I literally would say he was the smoothest, most technical guy in the world. How in the heck does that happen to a guy of that caliber? Right. I, I'm just, I can never swallow that. Um, so David needs to be there. He, you know, he's, He's loved in the sport. Mm-hmm. He's uh, just he's he's part of it. Like, and it's it was great to have him there. It's not easy for him to travel right like that for that length of the time on an airplane. Uh, but Giuseppe uh, and and all the people at UStream made our travel arrangements very comfortable, and they're very comfortable for David and Gina, his wife. And it was uh, you know today's his thirtieth anniversary. Also, uh, yeah. he's in Greece, so it's just it. They had a great time. I mean, I can just tell you from, personally from, from them, they were just ear to ear grin, uh, myself with my family, even, and David, excuse me, Ricky and Stephanie, and uh, their daughter was there. We just had a great time. I mean, when's the last time you three really hung out? Right, um, you and David are tight, of course. Um, I don't, I don't know how tight you guys are with RJ anymore, and, and David hasn't been around all that much. And so, like, you know, when's the last time you three got together? I mean, literally, uh, three, you know, icons, three, three legends of the sport. That that was pretty rare. Yeah, it, it was very rare. Um, as close as we all are, and David and I are very close. Mm-hmm. I still don't see David as much as everybody would think that like I'm, I'd be hanging out with him every day. And that, that's not that's not how it is. It's just you know life in general. As we've grown up and raised, like I'm raising my kids. His kids are older. Ricky's are older. Um, we're very busy. We all have different projects going on. Uh, Thanks. So yeah, like to get us three all together like that, I really can't. Remember the last time we were like that? Maybe we just met at a Supercross and we kind of, yeah. oh, hey, we're all three together that way. Right. But if, like organized like that, I think that's the first time, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Um, and it, I think that even had a little, like, like how's it going to, like, in my mind, I'm like, how's it going to be? Is it super comfy? Like, <laughs> right. But it was even more comfy than I even thought. Like, I was like, sometimes I get worked up for stuff like that. I just that anticipation. Like, yeah, yeah. it's like, like I'm going to do a, get ready for a race, you know, like mm-hmm. that's kind of the way I am. Like, it's just how I focus. I do stuff a hundred percent and I just, uh, so I was a little worked up for the whole trip in a, in a good way, but I just like, it's just how I prep myself. And right. I, uh, and like I said, once the thing, we were there all said and done saying goodbye to everybody, hugs and you know, stuff like that. It was just like, wow, what, what an experience. I mean, that's, uh, that's all I can say. It was just so special. I'm glad that uh, uh, I was able to be part of it, and uh, and then have a new stream with Giuseppe. And uh, yeah, they did a great job. I, I love yeah. it. I love yeah. that they did that. As a guy that's a fan of the history of the sport, and I love talking to you guys, and, and I grew up reading about you guys. I love the fact that they did this. It was awesome. It was a fantastic job by all of them to get you guys there and uh, and to honor you. What seemingly, honestly, Osho, it seemed like you guys, either, every time I turned around, it was you were on TV, you were on the track, you were at a dinner, you were signing autographs. It seemed like you guys were you know, constantly uh, being honored and feted and, and all that. And uh, good job by those guys. Good job. Yeah, we yeah we were very busy, but it was like I was all in. I was like, what else do you want us to do? Like I was like, I wanted to make sure that 
those three or four days that we were there that I could give back as much as possible. You know, if you know what I mean by yeah. that. And that was, I never just ran off from not signing one autograph, like, hey, I got to go, sorry, this and that. that. That wasn't the case. I know they these people may never see me again in, in all reality. I mean, I think that I'll probably be back, you know, right. but, but you just, I, I went over and beyond, you know, as yeah. far as, man, like, Photos and like yeah. I did everything possible, and then and I was pretty wore out and tired when I was done, <laughs> but it was so worth it. And and that's what I, you know, like I think you know, kind of me pretty well. Like it's all about giving back for me. Like yeah. that's that's the point of my career, that, you know, that I'm in, and just the point of my life I'm in. Uh, the sport gave me a great life and great memories, and I truly like to give back. And that's even why if I, if I do take on a project and help a rider with some mentoring or what, it's, it's that, sure, it's a job, but it's like, it's, I just feel like I'm giving back. And if I could benefit that way, benefit someone, make them a better person, better athlete, mm-hmm. better person in life, um, that's where I feel really good. I, I really, I love to put smiles on people's faces, and, and uh, that's, that's where I'm at in life right now. Oh, it's well said. Yeah, absolutely. And did I understand that they they wanted you and Ricky to ride bikes around the track, and then you guys said, if David can't, we're we're not going to do it. Did I understand that correctly? Yeah, you you ride on. Yeah, and, uh, you guys are like, no, we don't. We're good. Yeah, and then it was more Ricky. I, I was really proud of Ricky to to say that because in all reality, I remember even sending uh, Ricky Johnson the, the email going, "Hey, can you? They want us to ride. Is it cool? Can you?" Can you do a lap with me? Because uh-huh. uh, they asked me first, and uh, yeah. and you know, and he was, we were all, yeah, sure, we can ride, we can cruise around with mm-hmm. the past champion on lap. But then when we got there, we just felt, and I and Ricky probably felt it first, because they already started, like they had HRC bikes over there with a, yep. they were beautiful. I saw them, Man, I saw them, yeah, they were great. I, I went over there, you know, Bale took me over there, JMB, and like, oh my god, I sat there with my mouth open with our numbers on it and what the what they looked like, and we were mm-hmm. just going to cruise around. I would have loved to just put one lap on it. Yeah. But, you know, we decided as a team, and, and Ricky uh, brought this right up. He's like, you know what, uh, Let's. we're not going to do it that way. And it was like no, no argument whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, we're just going to be in the truck with, with, uh, with, with David, and I think it went over perfect. You know, I think uh, – I don't think. I know that it was the right thing to do. Instead of just ride around with the other guys, it was just – it was about us three, and we needed to be together, and that was the proper way to do it. Yeah, I agree. That was great. Classy move by, by you two guys, no doubt. Uh, well, Osho, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. I saw you talk to Alex uh, for a long time, for a couple of different times. Of course, you worked with uh, Jeremy and Alex. More Jeremy, but then Alex was tagging along because, you know, as he said, he, he didn't want to pay for it. But uh, um, you, have, <laughs> you had to be proud of Alex, uh, Team USA, and uh, you know him very well, and uh, great story. And um, you know, so you had a little hand. Like Alex's career has just been phenomenal the last couple of years. No one would have ever thought Alex Martin on Team USA. And you know what? Uh, Johnny O'Mara's got a little bit to do with that, no doubt. So that that was pretty cool to see you guys uh, talking a little bit. I'm sure you were helping him out with some advice and, and talking to him about different stuff. So yeah, that was cool. Yeah, no, no doubt. I love the Martins to death, and uh, you know, I feel like they're part of my family too. I really enjoyed the time with Jeremy. And I love Alex too, and and uh, whatever I can always do for them, I, I they know where I'm at. But yeah, I did talk with Alex a little bit. It was great to see him, and 
he ran a couple things by me, and I, I keep it really plain and simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did a great he did a great job with what he you know with with what he had to do, and I was super proud of his moto finishes. And I know he gave a hundred percent. And uh, yeah, if you want to say yeah, I think in the last year and a half, two years that I did hang you know while I was in charge, Jeremy, uh, Alex, Alex learned quite a bit. I absolutely really, yeah. really feel, feel that and. Uh, while I wasn't in charge of his training program, he saw what mm-hmm. I brought to the table and that I offered Jeremy and and uh, and Alex kind of like definitely was like really a sponge, bottom line, and that was a good thing. I used to tell him that, too. I go, hey, you don't need to do everything we do, but listen, you know, yeah, watch, yeah. watch right. what we're doing and, and uh, stuff like that. And, yeah, and I, I do believe, like, uh, I have a little bit to do with it, but, but Alex – has really buckled down and uh, committed as, uh, you know, it's like the second part of his career almost, you know. Yeah, and, and absolutely. He's, he's, he's re- reinvented his career in all, in all reality, so I'm super proud of him. Uh, and it's so in 2017 when Phil gets elected to the team, Osho. When Phil gets yeah. on Team USA, <laughs> be another one of your guys. <laughs> uh, we love Filthy Phil. Oh. We? So, uh, if he... He'd be so miserable the whole time, even though he was on Team USA, he'd still be miserable. <laughs> yeah, that, that's Phil, and that's what you're going to get with him. So I know. We love it, his, his uh, attitude. I know. Well, hey, uh, Johnny, thanks for the time for this. MotorcycleSuperstore.com, X Podcast. I talked to Rick, talked to you. I'm going to talk to David uh, tomorrow or the next day, I'm hoping to. And, uh, again, really cool to see. You. I had goosebumps when uh, they were playing the music and you guys were driving out. I really did. I was just like, this is unbelievable. 30 years ago, uh, a race that no one will ever forget. And uh, I'm sure you're tired of talking about it, like we said. But uh, um, really cool to see you three together. And, uh, yeah, awesome, man. Thank you for the time. You're very welcome, Steve. Thanks, for everybody, for listening in. You guys take care. All right. See you, Johnny. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the MotorcycleSuperstore.com RacerX podcast. Thanks for listening, man. These things are going great, and I'm stoked with the responses from everybody, and uh, you guys have been doing a great job with the downloads. Don't forget the Fly Racing Moto 60 show on Thursdays, the Pulp MX show on Mondays, the NFAB RacerX fantasy show sometime in the middle of the week. And a Motorcycle Superstore, they're a passionate team who speak moto. If I'm talking about going riding, bench racing from the latest company ride to the latest parts and gear, this is what drives them to be a place for you to check out all things motorcycles with the top brands in gear, accessories, tires, parts, and apparel. If you want to save there, they got everything you need to get out and ride. Go to the website to check out their inventory of brands, uh, over 700 of them. Do you speak moto? If you do, go to MotorcycleSuperstore.com. Use the code PB-PULP16 to 10% off participating brands. PB-PULP16 saves you money. All right, let's get to these commercials from Racetech and Michelin and MotorcycleSuperstore.com. Thanks for listening. See you after the break. Racetech people, Racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with Racetech. Trust me on this. There's more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to, uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you, eh, probably... 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, 
or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for Racetech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, Racetech, Privateer Proven. They work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And uh, they offer a full line of Racetech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10%? At uh, Racetech, go to PulpMX2015 when you order. You can save 10% at Racetech.com, and they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right, back to the show. Michelin tires are back, people. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Michelin Starcross 5, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft, and sand. Uh, their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own, Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? Is this a fancy marketing term or what? No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself, so how much it flexes or how you know sidewall stiff is that you have when you come in the corners. And what's cool about this tire is even from the previous version, on the MH3, it gives more. So when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps, it has some give to it. And it's more comfort, so it doesn't feel so rigid. A lot of that has to do with the, the CCT. So you're telling me the comfort casing at the end of the day, maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension in tires. Yeah, obviously it's flexing a little bit, but also, too, when you come into corners, you don't want it to roll on you. So they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites, but yet straight line, you have comfort. Hey, as a former factory mechanic, Kiefer, I know all about mounting tires, um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Right. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, you found mounting these new Michelin's uh, pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best, so mounting the tire wasn't too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage, and normally you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit, but this... Uh, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage. So uh, it was a lot better for me, you know, putting these on. Four versions of this tire. They cover all the uses, Kiefer. Reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting, traction, handling. They do it all. Starcross 5, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out, the local dealer people. These guys know tires and they know what they're doing. All right, and with me now... The third member of the 1986 USA Dream Team from Majoria, Italy, at the Motocross des Nations. Uh, we talked to Johnny O. We talked to RJ. And on the MotorcycleSuperstore.com RacerX podcast, remember, use the code PB-PULP16. We got the third member, none other than uh, multi-time AMA Supercross and Motocross champion, David Bailey. What's up, DB? How are you? Yeah, I'm good. It's good to be here. Good to be home. And what a thrill it was to go take in that event. Yeah, we uh, we were we were gonna hope. I was hoping to get this out last week after the race, but you were on what looked like an amazing vacation uh, with your wife. So uh, I'm glad uh, we made it back safe and sound. But um, yeah, I didn't want to bug you while you were over there. That's for sure. Well, it would have been impossible anyway because we were in some villa with no. Uh, we were disconnected from the world. I didn't see news. I wasn't on my computer. Gina's iPad. She they wanted it in radar and, and she forgot it. <laughs> so we didn't have. We were. It was nice. Yeah. Live like it was the 80s or 90s for a change and just <laughs> take in the sights. And, um, yeah, I would love to have gotten back a hold of you, uh, you know, prior, I mean, just after the event while it was still fresh in my mind. But well, um, that's it's nice right. now because I've had all that time to, to think about it and let it sink in some more. And at the risk of me repeating myself for the other two guys, I'm going to do it anyways because you weren't on the call for those. What I got goosebumps 
when they brought you guys around in the truck uh, Sunday opening ceremonies. I thought that was great job by everyone, Ustream and the promoters of Majoria and everybody. And I, I was also stoked, like, the look, you guys, 1986 team, you guys kicked their ass. It wasn't even a race. Everybody, one, two, one, two in their motos. It didn't matter to these people. They were so happy to see you guys, foreigners, at their track that, that, you know, beat their team. It didn't matter. I was really amazed by the reaction. What about you? What about the Italian fans with you? I mean, every time I saw RJ and Johnny O, they were signing, taking photos, talking to people. Um, what was that like? Uh, were, you the same, were you the same as me? Were you pretty amazed at, at how stoked they were to see you guys? Yes, I was. It, it built from the day I got there and went out and saw the track and then on Friday, then again, Saturday, it built more. Mm -hmm. And then Sunday was, was incredible. And, you know, it was much different than it was when we went in 1986, you know, I'd been to uh, quite a few donations, whether I was invited as a actually invited or, you know, went in somebody's place like I did with Brock and Mm -hmm. and Johnny Hanson. And those were intense years where it felt like there was, you know, there was a lot of focus being steered in one country's direction or another. But in Italy, in 86, it seemed like everyone was just really happy to be at the the event. The The weather was perfect. The track was really, really fun to look at and just, just to see, let alone ride. And then it was a, the kind of track where you could really have some fun out there and mm-hmm. get some air and, and show off a little bit. And Johnny and Rick were doing that. I had the 500 to be able to do that, <laughs> get over those jumps as well. And we were on top of a van signing autographs and this wasn't like the people were rushing us in route or anything. They were just excited. Mm-hmm. And it seemed exactly the same this time. There were times <laughs> where I saw Johnny and Rick and, and myself as well got kind of smothered, you know, going from here to there. Yep. And it's not like it was a nuisance or, Hey, Hey, back up. It was just excitement and a real appreciation. And, uh, I had goosebumps too. And as a matter of fact, Sunday morning, I mean, it's just going to sound corny, but <laughs> but I, I had a hard time pulling it together just really? to get out of the room yeah. and get yeah. in, the, in the van to go to the track. I was really, really uh, touched by just being there with Rick and Johnny and reliving all that. And then, you know, we don't get to hang out that often, and it was really neat to, to uh, spend some time with them. And some comments, you know, that were made, some, some really – uh, neat stuff by Johnny at the press conference, mm-hmm. you know, really sincere, uh, uh, humble approach to everything, the way he took some questions and just steered it back to to um, what was really going through his mind at the time and how he reflects on it now and Rick, too. Mm-hmm. It, it just cruising through some of the areas, looking at replica bikes of ours and yeah. gear and mannequins and helmets and just kind of smile at me like, man, Billy, <laughs> this was 30 years ago and look at this. Oh, and yeah. This ain't happening again, man. You know, like let's really, you're taking this in and soaking it up, I hope, because I sure am. Yeah. You know, it's really, really cool. And to be in the back of that pickup and have guys like Rinaldi and, and uh, Everts and Bale actually had somebody hold his bike and ran over to us, took his helmet off and had a Johnny and Rick and I all sign it. And I mean, that's to have a guy like Bale that excited 
to go like, this is what I raced against you guys in 86. This is when it kind of clicked for me that, man, this is what I want to do. And, you know, I'm doing it already, but I'm going to try to take it up a notch and see if I can be more like, like you guys and make the impact that you did. So what a honor, you know, and, and, uh, a special thing that they did there for us. And I was, um, in the back of that pickup between those guys, it was already mm-hmm. cool, but to see the sea of oh, people on yeah. those mountains, stoked with their chainsaw stuff and the <laughs> air horns and the track to get up kind of close to it yeah. and to see how awesome the dirt was. I've, I honestly can tell you I have never wanted to ride more than I did those like, 15, 20 minutes that went by. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to get on a bike, one of those <laughs> ones that replicas and go out there and do a lap so bad. But I think it was probably Rick that said, well, hey, if David can't ride, then you know, I'm not going to go out there and do a lap without him. And Johnny was was in full agreement, and he had already been uh, sort of celebrated there a couple of years ago during the mm-hmm. GP and rode that 125 around. So I thought, well, I've, you know, I don't need to do that again. I'll just we'll ride with David. And it was, it was really nice of those guys. I want to say thanks. It was cool that we stuck together like that. Yeah. Johnny kind of told us that a little bit on the, my interview with him too. And I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Great, great job by those two guys to do that. Um, I, I was bugging Johnny too, because I know him fairly well. He's at the races, you know, whether it's with uh, Barsha or with, with Jeremy Martin, he's been at the races a, a long time and I know him fairly well, probably better, a bit better than you or, or RJ. And he's not a big attention seeker. Um, he doesn't love to, you know, talk about how great he was. And, and then I found it funny that he had to talk about how great he was for all weekend long. And he was laughing about yeah. that. <laughs> he was, he was like, yeah, it's fine. It's okay. It's all right. But you know, he's not super comfy in a spotlight where it's like Rick is fine with it, you know, but, um, yeah, I just thought it was, I was bugging him a little bit. I thought it was, you know, I mean, when, when it really hit me and, and, I, you know, I got a, had a lump in my throat a little bit when it was happening was, uh, at the press conference. I mean, I already got that sense from him a little bit, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm not around Johnny so often that I can read him perfectly these days, you know, especially in that kind of a, mm-hmm. a, uh, a setting, you know, where all the focus is on us. And of course, you know, as you like to deflect that a little bit because it's a team thing. And, um, but when they came to Johnny with some questions, I think it was Todd Huffman that asked mm-hmm. him some stuff and, and, you know, like he should like to try to get hey you know, what was it like yeah. to just take that 125 and ride right through the pack to second behind David. And it was just so much sincerity and humility in the way that Johnny took that question. Um, and what that event meant to him. And then it, as he was answering it, my brain just went to 81 when they were, not expected to win and it was two weekends back then a 250 yeah and a 500 which he'd never ridden yeah. and they won <laughs> and again in 82 i got to see that up close and become really close friends with them during that particular trip even though we were on to teammates mm-hmm. i got to know johnny during that trip and i can tell you that he's, he's very uh moved and touched by being able to be part of team usa then again in 84 mm-hmm. and then again in 86 each time motivated by different things but you know the common denominator there for his motivation always being that what a cool opportunity it is to have your country go okay we, we pick you and 
try to bring that trophy home and, mm-hmm. and uh, Roger Best, don't let us down. And he always did that. His record over there is is awesome. Yeah. I don't think it's really eclipsed by anybody other than maybe Ward, who did it one or two more times. Yeah, Wardy did Each it. time Johnny went, he went hard. Yeah, Wardy did it one more time than him, but both undefeated. Yeah, oh, yeah. incredible records. Um, which brings me along to nowadays, and we'll talk about Team USA's performance there in a little bit. I don't want to dwell on too much. I think that it was heroic how they almost won being down a rider. But regardless, um, we're out of time now, DB, and I, I don't want to sound like an old man yelling at the clouds or walking up the hill to school both ways, and I'm sure you don't either. You get the modern motocross rider maybe better than anybody of the older school guys because you've been around them with, with the announcing and everything. Um, but like, Dungey didn't go, Tomac begged off, and I get Tomac, I was okay with his decision, Dungey didn't go last year. What happened to Team USA and just fighting to go? It's a little bit of a bummer, I gotta say, and even, you know, uh, Roxon hasn't gone for a few years, and he's had some legitimate excuses, but he hasn't gone. Chad didn't go, um, although his, maybe his motocross skills aren't where they, where, they, where they used to be, but... The event itself is, uh, I don't know, DB, it's losing a little bit of its luster, and I, I can't quite figure out why. Yeah, you know, I wish I had an answer for that. And I'm like you or anybody else that, that feels a bit patriotic and, and would like to see their country, whether it's the U.S. or Australia or whatever, you know, come back and, and really represent and treat that as a super important race. But, you know, times are different. It's just um, I, I think that there's a lot of people surrounding the riders now that have an influence on their decision-making. And, you know, I don't know if that's always the healthiest thing. I think the rider and for – look, let me just give you an example. When I went in 82, mm-hmm. I really don't remember much personnel around me other than my teammates, DeCoster, Dave Arnold, a mechanic who my first year was Brian Loomis. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a fellow over there named Tour uh, who worked, I think, at Bill Ray and maybe somebody from the AMA. That's it. Yeah. That's it. There wasn't, you know, a gazillion USA jackets and people hanging around. It was a really tight knit group that went over there to do a job. And uh, we were all on the same page, and there wasn't a lot of, of uh, distraction. Um, there weren't parents and trainers and all kinds of, not that they don't have their place, mm-hmm. but to me, when I see the, the USA teams now, just in pictures and things for the past few years, right. it just seems like there's a whole bunch of people that kind of need to just like be over there and be in the stands somewhere on a hillside, <laughs> right. just cheering rather than yeah. wandering around the pits, making it a big cluster. Mm-hmm. And so some of the seriousness of it, has been just fractured a bit mm-hmm. and the decision from the riders, you know, there's just so many choices and so much else going on that yeah. I think the focus is gone yet. One thing I can say from a spectator standpoint is watching Majora. I mean, obviously that one has a, a bit bias. It's got a special place in my heart, but it was exciting. Yeah. I can't remember ever being to a motocross race that exciting where the people were, were revved up the, the atmosphere. You could just, you could sense it. Mm -hmm. And then the racing was that close 
And if, you know, Caroli was making time on that guy from the Netherlands in the first moto, the crowd was all over it, really <laughs> yeah. paying attention. So that yep. as far as the, the impact the race has on the fans, that's still the intact. But riders choosing to go or not, I've, I'd have to speculate so much, and I already have. But I, I think yeah. it's just, um, you know, people have so many other events, so many money-paying events, and interests to look out for and mm-hmm. have just decided to pick their battles to where, yeah, hey, I, I want to get something out of this and I don't really get a whole lot out of the donations anymore for whatever reason. And yeah, I just got- decided to go other places, which those events didn't exist for us. No, so I, true. You know, yeah, I understand the rider deciding, Hey, I'm going to go ride this race. Cause I get paid this much before I even get there. And that much if I win. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that's kind of, put a dent in the donations, but I wish it hadn't. Um, what? Okay. So you, you get there Friday, you said to the place. Um, uh, it's the first time I saw it. Yeah. This yeah. Year. So you get there Friday. What's going through your mind? What's the first thing you see? You remember you flash back to, I mean, Johnny, Johnny talked about that corner where Webb crashed and how he was railing the outside on a 125, and then he was ducking inside and, he said he got, you know, just memories came flooding back at that corner and how he raced Thorpe and how he railed the outside because, you know, that side of the track is basically the same. I'm interested in your your first thoughts, your first things when you saw the place. Well, we got there Friday and it was at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a little get-together up there at that restaurant top, which is absolutely first class. Um, in case I forget to mention it, it Paulo and Stefano that that uh, sort of you know <laughs> yeah. brought that place back from death, you know, and cut down bushes and trees and, and reignited the whole thing, and and then put that restaurant at the top. It was just unbelievable. And they have lights, and they're like, "Hey, look, we'll turn on the lights so you can see the track better." Okay. So even at night, you could see it pretty good, and and uh, it was. We're right next to the, well by that swimming pool for anyone who's seen the videos and stuff, but that's where the the first big drop off is, and it's big. Yeah, it is. It's and straight down. Yeah, I was <laughs> telling my wife, I go go over there and look. She's like, no, I can see from here. I'm like, no, no, go. She's <laughs> yeah. like yelling at her, kind of like, get over there and look from over there. It's yeah. Different. And so, you know, when I got over there close, it. it it shocked me mm-hmm. and just how steep and how far down it is. And so uh, that right there um, took me back to, gosh, you know, I remember dropping off that thing, watching the race unfold behind me mm-hmm. with Johnny working his way up through the 500s. Because from that vantage point, you as I was dropping down right there, they were going across the starting line. And I had a sure. view of Yeah, yeah. So that was, that came back. And then that big jump heading into the back where, you know, we were styling a little bit. Yeah, you guys uh, are kicking it out, yeah. That was really neat. The back section, actually, in some ways, it's better now. In other ways, a little bit more simplified, not quite as technical, which I understand they did that. You need more fans and mm-hmm. room for people. Right. The place is only so big, and they stuffed even more people in there than there were been 86. So it's just the most impressive place that I can think of. You know, there's... Inadilla is impressive, but in its own way, and it's not like you drive in and you're blown away. You can't really see the track. you got to mm-hmm. walk way out there to, to even get a glimpse of it all. I mean, there's uh, 
Glen Helen's got big hills, but it just doesn't have that Italian trees. No. You know, the, the church bell tower <laughs> in the background going off. It, yeah, for, for people who don't know, like... Unbelievable. We parked... We went through two people's backyards to the media parking lot. There's houses right on the outside of the... Tr- I mean, it's dropped into this town. This, this ra- It's like Fenway or something, you know? Yeah, it's, it's just... Yeah. Uh, it's such a special venue, and... The history there, you know, when I when my friend Mark Edwards, who's trying to duck out of the hurricane right now in Florida, <laughs> yeah. my best wishes to him and everyone dealing with that. But he said, "Hey, David, they're um, they're building Majora again, <laughs> and here's some pictures of what it looked like. You could barely even tell where the track was because of all yep. the overgrown stuff." And then as I was looking through pictures, I found one of DeCoster standing there at a Majora number one bib, you know, with, like, Gaston Rayer and right. uh, Harry Everts. And you can see that big hill in the back. It's, it's unmistakable where they are. Mm-hmm. And I never even knew that. When we went in 86, <laughs> he, was, he was there, you know, 11 years before that race. And he'd be Roger being humble. He's, you know, I don't need to talk about that. We have a job to do today. But the history there, um, the setting, and the fact that they came back and, it's not some sequel where they're like, let's try and reinvent what went on here years ago. They they not only reinvented it, but they they jazzed it up even more. Mm-hmm. And all the structures down below, you know, we're eating dinner and in, in like a restaurant yeah. down in the pit, plus yeah. the one at the top, which is yeah. basically some of the best pizza I've ever had in my <laughs> life. So, you know, it was just awesome all the way around. And to have, you know, you talked about Johnny not really wanting to, to disorn much, but I I could kind of sense that he's there with his wife Gina and kids, you yeah. know, Johnny Jr. and Shelby, and you know they're probably just going like, "Wow, Dad's kind of a big deal." That's what I asked them. I actually <laughs> asked. Know? I said, "What did your kids think?" Because they weren't really around when you were. I mean, you you know, you were just rock stars at this point. And he's like, "Ah, the daughter thought it was cool. The kid was like, whatever." <laughs> Yeah, I have a couple of photos of him. He's he's on his phone playing a game or something. But you know, they took it in. I yeah. think the fact that Johnny was was being treated by the fans the way that he was, and uh, I think the kids were that wasn't lost on them. And mm-hmm. same for Cassidy, Rick's daughter. You know, she was. I think she was pretty uh, excited and happy to see Rick. You know, be celebrated the way that he was. And Gina's used to it with me and stuff. But mm-hmm. still, for me to be there. And there's a few times when I kind of thought back to, you know, we didn't have cell phones and stuff when we won in 86. So yeah. when we did win, well, then that just kind of drug out with the podium and then go back to the truck and change and then go across the street where the pits are now. And yeah. they had a big tent over there. That's where the awards were. And then we did a big, long thing there and all the teams and magnets of champagne and yeah. speeches and <laughs> And yet, I still haven't talked to Gina, who was here at home. Right, I, sure. I, I yeah. got back to the hotel. It's like super late, and go. Okay, guess what? We won. We, you know? we worked everybody. Um, so this time to have her there, to sort of visualize the scene, you know, and realize that what we had done there, and what what I had done on that day, I actually finally had a, a decent day personally on the donation. Yeah, you were was, decent. You were decent, DB. It was fun to share. <laughs> I didn't, honestly, I didn't have always my best performances there. I helped the team win, but in 86, I actually had a good day. I'm yeah. you know, a person. So it was fun to relive all that. Um, you know, here's something that's really, okay, so I feel, 
the 86 team was maybe the most celebrated MXDN team we've ever had. Um, but, you know, RV outright won a moto on a 250F at Bud's. Um, Unadilla, yeah, of course. Impressive. Yeah, Unadilla, of course, the first time in U.S. with Hannah, Wardy, and um, RJ. Then there's the 81 team uh, that, that did it, somehow did it in Lomo. No idea how that happened, especially after me being there two or three times. And that's where, uh, that's where we went to practice when I was on Team USA. We went to Lomo. Um, 96 in Spain, Lampson and Tortelli won the 500-125 moto. Uh, went, they went 1-2 in 125s. The point being is, like, there's all these other great MXDN teams, and there's been a bunch of them. I probably forgot some. But somehow, David, the 86 team has captured everyone's memory, everyone's, you know, maybe number one team, everyone pictures it, everything else. I don't know if it's you three guys. Obviously, you all went 1-2-1-2, one, two, one, two, but like I said, there's been some other great results. But for whatever reason, man, you're, this 86 team that you've been on, and myself included, just stands out. Maybe the fact that you three were the best ones in the usa that year as well you know i don't know right what do you think it is it's hard to it's hard to it's a little bit like anaheim 86 you know i've seen fantastic races right better than that one you know i mean mm-hmm. the one when ricky looped it in pontiac and sure came through and almost won i mean so many people had that one in the bag i think there was like a orlando 2005 stewart mm-hmm. Stuart, Ricky, hey, Ricky Reed, Wyndham thing, and Atlanta. 90, so, I mean, just yeah. The, Atlanta. Yeah, yeah just yeah. to name a couple. There's been great races, but sometimes the magic is just there, and the timing is right. Mm-hmm. And so for for Rick and I to battle in Anaheim in '86 um, in front of the the old format stadium where this it wrapped all the way around, there was seventy seven thousand or whatever. Right. When you get that many people anticipating something cool. And it looks like it might be a dud, and then all of a sudden it's not, and it's exciting to the end. Um, that just makes an impact. And, you know, just not forget that even though Johnny's knee was, I don't even know how he rode, his <laughs> yeah. knee was, I didn't think he was going to, actually. Right. And he got third. So we were top three at the first race of the year, and then what was essentially the last race of the year, um, we did it again. And yeah. it's just the Majora magic. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, the weather was flawless, couldn't have been any better, and the place looks so cool, and the three of us were riding so well at the same time, and then perhaps that was one of the first times that everyone really could sit back and go, hey, you know what, they won, wow, they won everything. <laughs> but to anchor it and just to really drive it home, to me, it was Johnny. I that's the one donations I was on where I felt like we're we're probably gonna win. Right, right. <laughs> and it's not like I hope we win yeah, or we yeah. should. It was like, no, we're we're <laughs> probably gonna win. <laughs> and I walked around then during the opening ceremonies, you know, I don't know if, about Johnny and Rick, but I felt like, yeah, we we got this. Mm-hmm. And so I knew Johnny would do well in his moto and win the one twenty five class. What I didn't realize nor anybody else that was there except maybe Johnny was that he was going to not only win the 125 division but you know yeah. beat everybody <laughs> except me up you know I had the whole shot that i think was the the thing that just catapulted it into mm-hmm. you know what this is special and the guy is special the we were on production bikes the Europeans were on works bikes yeah true so many things that 
that contributed to that being a special day that it's really difficult to forget. And it was documented so well in photos and things that, mm -hmm. and then redone. I, I took some footage my dad made. and Yeah, that was a great video. Yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, that helps keep things alive. Same as me. I, I, my career and my name could have been, you know, forgotten quite a bit more than, than it has been because I did TV for a while and sort of kept things alive. So mm -hmm probably had a little to do with it as well, but I just, I kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say I coined the phrase or anything, but I mean, it's just, it's just the Majora magic, yeah. you know, that places it produces, even the the mud race they had there, you know, it was, it had some real drama and excitement yep. and I still, I'll never forget the race. I was really moved and actually brought to tears a couple times throughout the day and in that morning. And then, once that evening leaving the track and real close while we're driving around the truck. In the pickup, yeah. You know, like one of us starts and it's going to look like we're a bunch of babies out there. But um, it was very special, and, and I'm, I can't believe that 30 years later that it, it meant that much to everyone else as yeah. well to do something like that. As a guy that's into moto, into the old school moto, follow, you know, grew up with it, read about it, I love the fact that in 2016 in Italy – there are still fans that lose their minds for a 30-year-old motocross nations team. Um, gives me some hope that, you know, our sport's still alive a little bit sometimes. Being in the media, you get a little cynical, uh, yeah. a little bit brought down by, uh, I just, at that point, I was just a, a kid from Canada again, you know, watching this. Um, and then, you know, oh, I, the parade lap of everybody going out there, you know, that was awesome. And yeah, it was just, just really. They did a good job of uh, orchestrating everything and, and um, you know, the, as far as people losing their minds over stuff, I mean, when the races were over, I was up at the restaurant and then I wheeled all the way down that hill uh, to the pits. Mm -hmm. And on the way down, there were people leaving that would just stop and be like, I'm pretty easy to spot, you know, yeah. <laughs> like that. That looks like David Bailey, and he's in a chair. He's, it's got <laughs> to be. be. <laughs> so they would, you know, stop for a second, mm -hmm. and people were just like, what? Wait, let me get a pen. I uh, Get the camera, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I was shocked a little at just how much people remembered. And then one of the really neat things was this guy had a, a uh, I think Stefano and Paulo have a, their own museum replica type of thing as well. But mm -hmm. there was a guy along the vendor row there that had all three of our bikes pretty decked out i mean they looked as close as you can get yeah i think i saw and them that, in the fox display i was watching from the fox for this third moto and uh, right. they were in there and yeah they were they were pretty good so we had mannequins with all our gear and mm -hmm. they recreated those bibs that we wore and johnny was kidding with them at one point because he was they were talking about the 125 and johnny's like yeah but remember i, I wrote that thing and it fell the plug and then the guy, he's like, oh, 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 runs over, jumps on it, starts it on the first kick. <laughs> and there's quite a few people around cheering, like, yeah, yeah. And then he gets on Rick's bike, and, like fourth kick, starts it. And then he goes over to get on my 500 and start it. I'm like, well, there goes his shoe. Yeah, it's a good luck. And about seven or eight kicks later, he fires that thing up. Oh, And wow. then, at, then he gave us gifts. You know, they had some... Uh, they made, One thing I liked that he's, he made a piston and painted it and painted the top like our number plate oh. and painted around the side with, you know, Majora yeah, 86 yeah, yeah. and all that. Oh, wow. And so I have a piston <laughs> that I can put on a shelf <laughs> from a 500 Honda. Like, nice. you know, who thinks of that? Yeah. Like, that's how much it means to those guys to 
keep that that uh, vibe from those years alive, and to be part of that, and and had to, and to realize that others are, you know, it's just as special to them as it was to us is fascinating and you know really humbling. What was the? I asked Johnny and Rick this same question. Um, who was the coolest person that you connected with, reconnected with, or you know spoke to at the race? Was there? Somebody you just, you know, you, you don't see that much and, you know, or some old timer or somebody you got to have a nice conversation with um, that was, you know, really, really meaningful to you. Is there, is there somebody, one or two people that stick out? Well, besides visiting with Johnny and yeah. and Rick, that was, that was really cool to, uh, and it's, I just have to tell this because it's just so Johnny and so funny and maybe I'm the only one on the planet that gets it, mm-hmm. but. Johnny or Rick and I were there the night before Johnny um, up at the restaurant. And so we went back up there again and they had a bunch of really good pictures of us and it was Johnny's turn to sign them. And he was next to me at the table signing them and and to hear his little funny comments and remarks about the photos of him or us (laughs) were He's like, I'm not on the gas yet right here. It's kind of bugging me that I, I kind of stood it up. To, to hear his critique, but his humorous critique of how, yeah. you know, these photos were taken. And then, what am I doing right here? That's like, I should be, I got the biggest kick out of just hanging with him like that. And, of course, with Rick and hanging out with him and his mm-hmm. honesty on things and his take. But really, it was cool to hang out with Bale. Um Yeah. The day before the race, we were talking a little bit about the new Honda, and he was sharing with me some of the, the new technology and stuff. And then to hear, he had a, a picture on his phone of the start of uh would have been my first moto, so the okay. second moto yeah. from 86. And he, he blows it up bigger, and he's like, that's me right there on the Kawasaki. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> I oh. forget what number he was, right, right. but I'm like, I knew he was in the race, but at the time, I didn't care. I yeah, of really course not. Yeah. selfish, going, I want to win this thing, and I didn't care who was on the line with me. I know I started next to Kindergartner and I visited with him a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I think it was the thing that surprised me the most was how much Bale was into it. He was at the press conference listening to every word, yeah. and when he saw a bunch of us get together up there, he was like, man, you know, telling the photographer – Massimo, whoever he's like, hey, can I can just just once? Can I just real quick? Yeah. <laughs> I hope you guys don't mind. He ran up on stage and got behind us, right. and just grabbing us by the shoulder and squeezing us. Like, man, this is cool. Yeah, he like, he really seemed to to you know be, be genuine and like the excitement oh, he, that uh, he had for it. He name dropped you. I interviewed him. I don't know six months ago, and he name dropped you again about how he wanted to be like David Bailey. And that was his goal, and he saw you guys at Bercy, and and that's what made it possible for him to to believe to come to America. I mean, this is a guy that thirty years later he does not forget how you know how you guys inspired him, yourself and Rick more than I think than Johnny. But um, he says it all the time. Yeah, he has so much respect for you guys. Well, I experienced that, and you know, for a few days there. The other things that stick out in my mind was. uh, Stefan Everts. When we mm-hmm. were in the back of the truck getting ready to take off and they were waiting, Stefan is he's just there with a hat and dressed, you know, as a team manager, um, sitting on some epic number 72 cool right. bike. Right. And 
he uh, I was I was just kidding, and I looked at Rick and Jaya like I think Stefan's going to win this parade lap. <laughs> <laughs> it matters. It was just me being a nut. But he did. And sure enough, yes, yeah, sure yes. enough, we we went into the back, and as we were coming back around, Stefan was making that right hander after where Cooper fell and mm-hmm. that super steep left, and he was going around the corner pretty fast, feet up, laid over pretty far, like not even really watching where he's going, just more like soaking it up and taking in the fans and you know an eye on us and a. And it was the first time I've ever really seen that Stefan in live riding like that. And it was almost as though the, the way that he rode around that corner, it made me realize, you know what, this guy could probably go out there today <laughs> and do really good. Yeah. The other thing was uh, Dave Thorpe. Yep. Um, he came over. We had a ch- an opportunity to go to dinner with him one night, and it just ended up it didn't really work out. And uh, but we saw him the next day on Saturday during the qualifiers, and he hung out with us. And just such a uh, a successful guy in the sport, and so humble, mm-hmm. and and such a gentleman. And um, it's really hard to describe, you know, with words what what I think of Dave as a human being and as a rider, but. It all came back. I mean, just the way he sat there and listened and, and shared with us and asked questions. I was like, man, I I really enjoyed the era that I was in, and, and Dave was a big part of that. We raced in Japan a couple times and, and uh, always at the donations and Carl's Bad GP. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing's changed there, man. Just just such a cool guy. Yeah, he uh, and then Bale uh, yeah. right before that braid lap to to like realize, yeah. hey, wait a second, I got it. Get I my got helmet signed. I think <laughs> I'm gonna go get these guys to sign my helmet. And oh, no. Johnny and I are you know, always checking out style and gear and whatnot. I mean, Bale looked like he looked great. Looked <laughs> like he could have been out there racing as well. Mm-hmm. So um, that, those were neat moments, and I might be forgetting something right now, but yeah. Those things stood out. Rinaldi as well. He came over and and uh, seemed really jazzed to just, just shake hands and hi guys. And my memory of him was being on the podium off to our left because uh, I think he made a pass towards the end of the race that put them on the podium okay. for Italy. And um, he's been you know quite a successful guy oh, yeah. ever since then. And genuinely cool dude. You know, just what? it was. It was all we're all older, but you know what made us special back then. It's it's still in there to see, and really fun to be a part of. I didn't real uh, Johnny brought up Thorpe as well, and I didn't. Obviously, you guys are factory Honda teammates, quote unquote, at that time. But you know the whole Johnny O one twenty five novice MXA thing. As a fan, you read a lot about that. Um, you know, and, and but people forget that that David uh, Thorpe the year before in Germany was great, you know? Um, oh, yeah. So he kind of, you know, in, 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 again, I was just a fan. You kind of thought, wow, these guys, David Thorpe, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, Johnny talked again about relationship with Thorpe, and you just talked about it too. And, and people forget about how great he was. And, and he did, maybe he had some rear brake problems in 86. Maybe he didn't. I don't know for sure. But it does get lost a little bit about how great he was. And, and Johnny made sure to bring that up in, in our conversation. So that's really cool. You, bought, you guys yeah. both did that, you know? Well, in 85, Brock was the one that was chosen to be on the team, and that's when it went from two weekends, 125s and 250s. You're over there a couple weeks. It's difficult on everybody. Mm-hmm. 
um, you know, it's not like you're over there making a bunch of money or anything. Yeah. It, it's it's just, you know, volunteer time and, mm-hmm. hey, let's go represent our country. And they decided, hey, let's try to condense that into one day. So at Galdorf in 85, Brock was chosen, as he should have been, fast in 85 on the 500, but his wrist wasn't right. So mm-hmm. I get the, I think he called me and said, could you go? Do you want to? <laughs> and there's di- no way I was going to say yeah. no. Right. But at, my wrist wasn't good either. And I just thought, but yeah, but I got a couple of weeks to prepare. So I think I'll be, I'll be all right. And before I left, I really thought I was ready. Mm-hmm. And in practice, I felt, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm right. good. Yep. And I whole shot of that very first moto they ever had with 63 riders on the gate <laughs> and was celebrating that a little bit for the next couple of turns. Like, man, I just whole shot of the biggest race ever. <laughs> right. Is the most riders in it, and Thorpe went by me, and I and pretty quick like yeah. I don't even get through over there already, you know. I yeah. thought I was running the show here. Like, Wait a minute, he got yeah. by me. I thought, well, I'll get back by him, and I I actually I came in a little hot, and I didn't mean to, and I knew we were going to hit, and I I said I'm sorry. I just said <laughs> sorry real loud <laughs> as we were off the gas into the corner. Right, and he passed me back again. Like no, that's get back there behind me where you're going to be the rest of the day. And I just watched him just disappear. He got smaller and smaller yeah. and smaller. And he had gold pants because he had just wrapped up the world championship. Mm-hmm. And I, and it was that performance by Dave that made me uh, really prepare at 86, especially knowing he'd be on a works bike and had just won the world championship again. And I was on a production uh, CR Dave actually had a lot to do with how well I rode in Majora um, because, you know, he, I, did, I didn't realize, I wasn't on the same level he was at Galdorf. Different kind of track, yeah, all that. Yep, yep. He, was, he was just that strong. And so in 86, you know, it was more my style track, and maybe he thought he was ready and it just sort of reversed. But Dave, regardless of what kind of trouble he may have had with a break or whatnot, it He's the kind of person that's not going to just make an excuse or something and kind of wreck the 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 accolades that are be given to somebody else who whether Dave's break worked or didn't work either way Johnny was on fire yeah yeah it's unfortunate and that Dave he recognized got, yeah. that. Yeah. You know, so he let him have the moment. It's unfortunate he got painted a bit by USA Media as this this novice, you know, and you're like, oh, come on, man. The guy's, you know, the year before he, he was great. So um, He's a big man, yeah. and he can he can handle that stuff. Yep. He recognizes where where the the attention should go, and he didn't do anything to, to mess that up. And that, that shows a lot about Dave Thorpe as a man. You're right. Uh, before we let you go, David Bailey on the MotorcycleSuperstore.com Racer X podcast, talking about the 86 Dream Team at Majoria that got reunited. Um, did you get a chance to talk to any members of Team USA this year at the race, either before or after? And what your, what, what are your thoughts on what happened? Um, you know, they, they rode well. They almost won underdog team a little bit. And, um, yeah, it was a, it was a close finish. What, what, what's your thoughts? I thought on, they could win, you know, going yeah. into it. I didn't get a chance to see any of them. There were a lot of, of uh, meetings and right. and let's let's go here. Okay, we need you guys over there at this point in time. And I realized that going in that mm-hmm. my schedule would be sort of tight and, you know, getting me around in a chair is the easiest thing either. So mm-hmm. to uh, to get over there and see Team USA, honestly, I don't even know where the heck they were parked. I saw <laughs> 
I saw where HRC was, and it was kind of muddy right there. And I'm like, eh, yeah. I want to look at those bikes, but I don't want to go through all that. we got to be at the press conference soon. But I did think they had a chance to win. Um, when I heard the team announced, I was just surprised like anybody else that, you know, Tomac or whoever was there or not there. Mm-hmm. But I, I felt we could win. And then Saturday I watched Webb kind of make a mistake that had me thinking, why in the world didn't he just – Slam on the brakes and go around the right. Oh well. Yeah. And then Martin that was, that made a, a couple of mistakes. That was a Canadian rider down, by the way. That was our, yeah, my, my, I thought that wasn't the smartest move. And then, uh, but you know, I'm not, I'm not out there. Who yeah. knows? And then um, I didn't realize that Anderson. I didn't see a replay or to realize that if if he just sort of got caught in a weird place. But as soon as I heard his foot was broken and he is in ice and. Everyone was looking pretty dejected over at Team USA based on Johnny and Rick, I think, went over there. Mm-hmm. I thought, man, this is this is looking bad. <laughs> and so the, to think they had a chance to win it, yeah. um, man, that's a that says a lot for the resolve and you know the the perseverance of of the team that we had. Um, that said, I think Cooper and and Alex just kind of were never really riding like. We, we know they can ride, and for whatever reason, I, I don't think they can use a start as an excuse, really, for that. I just don't think Cooper looked entirely comfortable and could just throw that thing around like his 250. Mm-hmm. And then Alex, although he was charging hard, Horbeek was just that much better. And so, um, you know, like I said, being yeah. somewhat removed from the real world and the Internet yeah, and whatnot yeah. over in Greece – the, some of the first comments I heard when I got back online was that, oh, man, you know, Anderson getting landed on that cost us to win. Um, I don't think that cost us to win. I think not having the best performances, you know, mm-hmm. outside of that was really what cost us the win. But um, I, the thing that I'm most impressed about with what, what USA did was Anderson. I yeah. don't think off the top of my head I can think of him in a performance that was as gutsy and gritty and just no. flat out gnarly is what Anderson did when he whole shotted that race mm-hmm. and led the first couple laps. Steve, I, I lost my voice. <laughs> it was, I did. Yeah. Wow. Gina was like, you're going to lose your voice. And, and I did. It's still, you can hear it now. It's time I recovered. Yeah. So I was so proud of that kid. Uh, I saw him briefly. Um, Rick was talking to him a little bit before the press conference and, I've never even met him. I met mm-hmm. him right there. And to think that his foot was messed up and what he was going to have to do uh, and to see him whole shot and to know how fast Hurlings was. Yeah. I mean, Hurlings was clearly the guy. Mm-hmm. I thought Cooper might be the guy or Tim Geyser, but unfortunately he wasn't able to race. And I right. thought, okay, one of those three, Hurlings, Geyser, or Cooper, that may end up just dominating this thing, uh, you know, personally. Mm-hmm. And – and clearly after Saturday, it was Hurlings. I mean, this guy's he's everything that I've heard of and, and then some. And in person, it was it was truly impressive. And to see him catch Anderson was, I think everyone felt like, well, hey, that's still a heck of a ride from Anderson, even if he gets passed. Yeah, absolutely. Me and too. He yeah. to yep. step it up and, and go even faster. Like, not on my red, white, and blue watch, <laughs> you ain't passed. That that yeah. started screaming again, and then when Hurlings blew it in that corner, it was right beneath where I was watching, and 
then I saw the finish. I saw the whole thing, saw the whole thing. Just couldn't, I couldn't believe it. But at the same time, I did the same thing at Daytona in 1984. I won the race uh-huh. and the finish line jump wasn't really much. It was just kind of like break, get back on the ground and go. Right. And I just went over the finish line jump slow, put my arms up in the air. Sure. And fortunately got out of the way just in time because Rick and Johnny were battling for second and Johnny launched that. Oh, that was the, yeah, the Omera, right. Yeah, he launched it. Yeah, yeah, photos. Totally relate to what Anderson did there. Totally. I never knew you were that close in that photo. I've only seen the photo of those two in the air, but you were, so you were right Right. there. I had (laughs) just gotten off the track and and probably had the coolest view of that because I I was like just looking up into the sun and Johnny flying to the moon. Right. And uh, so I, I saw what happened, and I, I just, everyone was in shock, you know. I, yeah. I didn't know if he was, I mean, it looked really bad. Yeah. It's nobody's fault. It was just one of those things. But, I mean, I just want to say to Jason, dude, <laughs> you're the man. That was such a great performance. And to yeah. the rest of the Team USA guys, I mean, it's this loss however much it stings, it's just going to make them better. And if they don't come back and win next year, then there's just no balance in this world. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I see how they can't come back and win after that. Yeah, I, I'm not a – I heard some people say, ah, USA blew it. They blew it. Ah, not me, man. They they rode a hell of a race. Anderson's was, was phenomenal. And, you know, they almost won down a rider. That's that's just never been done, never really been heard of uh, for a team to win the thing. And they were one and a half laps from winning it without one guy racing one moto. So it was, Yeah, they really you know. turned it around. And listening to Paul Malin announce, you know, I was up on top of the hill watching Rick and Donnie. Uh, they did some TV, and I couldn't mm-hmm. get into wherever they were. So I went up top. And from my perspective, you know, without screens and monitors yeah. and points and lap times, just I was just a fan, which is was kind of neat. And every once in a while, I'd hear him say that, and the U.S. could win with this twenty-eight <laughs> points or twenty-nine or thirty-one, yeah. but the Netherlands, and you know, I'm listening yeah. to all that. And I, there was somebody behind me going, "So who? What's what's going on?" And I'm like. <laughs> I think we're winning. But I, <laughs> I think we're right. But I was before the moto. I'm like Cooper's pretty much got to win, and yeah, it was a nail biter to the very, very end. And even when it was over, it was like, but, but who, who, you know, that's what you want as a promoter, as a, you know, a track owner, as as a motocross fan. You would you want to see it go down to the wire like that, and it did. It was just fantastic all the way around. I'm so glad that Jason's okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's really the main thing for sure. Well, uh, David, thank you for the time for this. Uh, uh, great to, to hear from you. Great to see you there. Again, props to everybody for making it happen. Ustream, Giuseppe, Stefano, and Paolo, you said, were the promoters' names, right? Yeah. Um, those guys making it happen. Every I think it was really cool. Like I said, I got goosebumps watching you guys ri- drive around there. I love the fact that you're still celebrated and everybody remembers. And It's good to see, man. Uh, and so thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. It's great to talk to uh, uh, Johnny and Rick as well and get get all you guys' reactions. That's, that's really cool. Um, yeah. My pleasure, Steve. Anytime. Thanks for listening to the Steve Mathis Show presented by Fox Racing. 
forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. I was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. And, and McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. Absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled fifth and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years.